Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Fox Sports broadcaster Tim Brando as we'll be talking all things college football with the season getting started with week zero this weekend. Also talking college sports realignment among the conferences and the new alliance that's been formed along the Big Ten Pac-12 and ACC. We'll get Timmy B's thoughts on that and more when he joins us coming up later on in today's show. Also going to have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, we are back after a week off, a summer vacation of sorts. And since I last talked to you, I have been in Nashville, Omaha, Minneapolis, back to Omaha, and now we're gearing up. It's uh, time to get everything settled down for uh, football season. It's game week. I can't believe it. We're here. We've made it. We have made it to this point, Tom. Yeah, finally, and it looks a whole lot different than last year did for sure, um, and I'm I'm absolutely pumped uh, about it. I actually was talking to our good friend, Jose the other day and he's like hey what do you got going on this day and it ended up being Oklahoma State's bye week and then I just sent him my schedule of how it's going to go and other than Oklahoma State's bye week on the weekend of October to the 9th every other weekend from next weekend until essentially the Big 12 championship game is booked with something whether that that be a football game or a wedding isn't that great what a feeling. Uh, oh, man, it's the best feeling in the world. I'm, I'm ready to go to Stillwater right now. Man, I cannot wait. It is so exciting that we have finally made it to this point. And uh, even this week, you know, week zero, we get to see Nebraska and Illinois. Um, you know, that's not a sexy matchup by any means. But, you know, hey, I'll watch uh, a Brett Bielema coach team take on uh, you know, Scott Frost and such. And we get Hawaii and UCLA. I mean, uh, it's like a palate cleanser of sorts that we get uh, on a Saturday here. Yeah, I mean, I'll take whatever I can get at this point. Uh, um, you know, it's yesterday I was working from home and and I I've, I have – I got a Samsung TV not too long ago. Well, you know, it comes with um, – it comes with Samsung's own – it's like Samsung's own Longhorn Network, right? Yeah. Um, and they have the Pac-12 channel and the ACC channel on there. And so I was watching USC reruns versus like Stanford and Oregon State back when Pete Carroll was there. And I was watching that the night before. And, you know, I was working from home yesterday and decided to just kick on some old classics. Like, I, I mean, I guess I watched one yesterday, a full, you know, full length uh, Oklahoma State, K-State in Boone Pickens in 2011, the earthquake game. Uh, and, man, I just, you know, left my house yesterday being like, oh, I'm so ready to – I'm ready to go. I'm ready to wake up early and, you know, make my way to Stillwater or make my way to wherever I'm going. And, and you know, no tailgating last year. We're going to have tailgating this year. Well, you know, at least for the time being. Um, we'll see if that's a whole season or not. Hopefully it is, but I'm not counting my chickens. But, you know, we'll have tailgating. There will be food. I mean, people will be back. 
full capacity stadiums. You know, I'm it's it's like uh, you know we 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 didn't miss out on college football last year, but it, with everything being back, you know the the matchups and you know the non cons are here this year, and then people just being back in the stadium and on campus and tailgating. It almost feels like how good March Madness felt when we missed it for a year. Right. I mean, I was glad we played college football last year. But don't get me wrong, Tom. We would be lying to ourselves if we didn't admit last season sucked. I mean, mean, it was just watered down. It was like like when you – It was a bad year last year. It's like getting a pop from Quick Trip and you go and you don't realize that the machine's not putting the right amount of syrup in there. And then you just get in the car and sure, you still have a pop, but it's more soda water than syrup. And it's just watered down. And it's, you're like, bah, you know what? But it's not that big of a deal that you have to go in and trade your beer pop out at that point. A team made the national title game last year just winning six games. That happened. Yeah, it's, it's a sin. So now we're back. Everything is close to normal again. And we're going to have football, folks. And the the scene of college football, comparably speaking to this time a year ago, you know, I think it's important. You bring up a good point, Tom, of comparing this year to last year in what has transpired in the last 365 days. At this time last year, we were talking about how the Big Ten and the Pac-12 weren't going to play at all this year. And that the SEC, Big 12, and ACC were going to play. And we wondered if Nebraska was going to try to find a way to play with maybe some Big 12 schools. And Ohio State wasn't happy with the Big 10 either. And they were going to try to find a way to play and such. And then we were debating if, can you really have a national champion if you only have three of the Power Five conferences? Now, fast forward to 2021, The Big 12 is in flux. Oklahoma and Texas are waiting for their opportunity to join the SEC whenever they can. And we have this alliance that was announced this week between the ACC, Big 10, and the Pac-12, which just looks pathetic. There's nothing appealing about it. Uh, They didn't even sign a contract to it. And then the very next day, you get USC and LSU, who – the whole purpose of this so-called alliance was to get the alliance to play each other in non-conference and not play the SEC. USC schedules LSU the very next day out of the SEC. So the landscape of the sport has changed so much. And although I'm skeptical about the future of college football, Tom, with we don't know how the playoff is going to look. We see the alliance is – Uh, the so-called alliance, is upset with ESPN and their involvement and such with what they've done with the SEC, Um, you know, just with the Big 12's future and such. You know, I I don't know if I feel good about the future of college football. But I can tell you this much. I do feel a lot better about this sport than I did at this time last year. Um, You know, college football's always been a revolving door. There's always change in this sport. But where we're at now heading into 2021 is a hell of a lot better than what we were in 2020. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and you know, I don't know the future of college football either. Yeah, you know, at this point, it's kind of up in the air uh, in terms of, you know, where everybody's going to be. Um, 
and it's it's a little concerning when you know your favorite team is in you know in I don't know in limbo essentially um, to to kind of figure out where you know they're going to go and you hear all these different things of oh maybe here maybe there you know and you're like well just you're you almost get to a point where it's like well pick something already like like figure it out like like hurry up and figure it out because you know it's i don't know i say i'm very guilty of this of saying we when i talk about my favorite team just because i'm so emotionally invested uh into any and all sports that i you know have an interest in um and so it's it, it almost i'm so emotionally invested in oklahoma state and financially invested uh probably more than i should be um that it, it almost gives you like an anxiety of like oh my gosh like hurry up and and figure it out like it's it's like waiting for christmas morning and except instead of waking up on christmas morning and getting what you want you probably end up with the you know west coast coal in the pac 12 right i mean this year tom i feel like especially for the the little 12 that are still trying to find a home um isn't it going to be kind of distracting of sorts? Like, even if your team is doing well this year, let's say for all intents and purposes that Iowa State is having a year where they're on track to make the playoff. If they get a win against Oklahoma and they do real well, let's just take Iowa State as an example here, okay? There's a school that's an AAU institution that has a solid football program, um, that has a good basketball tradition and such, but they don't know their future. They would like to go to the Big Ten. Um, you know, I'm sure they would. They'd love to join Iowa and, and, you know, take Kansas with them and such. But as good of a year that Iowa State could have, um, at the back of your mind, aren't you still hesitant? You're still thinking about what's ahead? I mean, Baylor's coming off a national championship in basketball, and they don't know if they're going to be in a power conference even next year. I mean, that's one thing I think about with this year with 2021 is of how much this realignment and all this stuff is going to shift the focus here. I mean, it's going to be hard to enjoy the moment. We're glad football's back uh, compared to what it was last year. We'll certainly take that, but it's going to be hard to be happy at times if, uh, if you're thinking about the future and uh, not living in the present for uh, some of these teams in the little 12 right now. Yeah. Which is, is, is very weird, you know, and I, I think you mentioned, you know, if, if Iowa state was to pull it off and, and make the, the college football playoff, I, I don't think, I mean, Iowa state, that's actually not, you know, not crazy to say that they could do that. Um, depending on, you know, how they start off. We talk about Iowa State all the time and, and how they start off slow. So be interesting to see if they can get through their non-con unscathed. But uh, talking about all the other, like you said, little 12, um, you know, I, I think this is – if you don't find your home uh, in time, I think this is the most important season for all these teams in, in, in quite some time, not only to, you know – okay, we got fans back, you know, we want to, you know, do this or that. We want to make this bowl game or what this, these are our goals. You know, every season, you know, you, you strive to make the college football playoff if you're a power five, but, well, unless you're Kansas, but, um, you know, 
you want to make a bowl game, you want to have a winning record. Well, there's there's some more to play for this year. Uh, you know, if you're one of the teams trying to find a home, you want to have the best season possible um, to, you know, market yourself of, hey, we did this this year. You know, it's it's there's no better time like the present. Um, and, and everyone's going to be watching to say, oh, OK, you know, if you let's say Oklahoma State, for example, if they, you know, knock on wood right now, I'm going to let everybody hear I'm knocking on wood. If they fuck up and lose to Tulsa, that's not going to look good. Um, you know, for, for their resume. And, and that goes for anybody year. else. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, Tulsa's no BS either. They're, you know, I think their defense is going to be stout this year, even without Zayvon Collins. So I think they're going to be all right. They're going to be an all right team. You know, it's not a team to take lightly, but, you know, you're going to want to be on your P's and Q's if you're one of these teams trying to find a new conference. You want to, you know, definitely win all your non-cons. Um, and then and then have a good showing in, in conference play just because, you know, everyone's going to be like, oh, okay, well, what about this team? They had, you know, this record and they did this and they made this bowl game and, you know, they beat these people. You know, you you want to have a good showing um, if, if you're looking for a new home. Oh, yeah. And the reports are just all over the place, too, on what's going to happen. If anyone – says they know what's going to happen. I mean, they're full of it. I mean, you hear Dave Wanstead, uh, who's employed by Fox and a uh, former college and NFL coach say at, you know, he's heard from meetings with Fox with uh, officials from different conferences, that Kansas and Iowa State are headed to the Big Ten, that West Virginia's headed to the ACC, and Oklahoma State and Kansas State are headed to the Pac-12. And, you know, for those Five, that sounds great. I think they all would be pleased. I mean, K-State was the ones that we were talking about just a few weeks back that nobody wants you. Nobody wants anything to do with Kansas State. And if they somehow end up in the Pac-12 and a package deal with Oklahoma State and all of a sudden K-State and OSU become a big rivalry of some sorts, by all means, I think both schools would be overjoyed, would be thrilled if that's the case. Now, there's some things that don't make sense, like, any Pac-12 deal, I think, has to involve a Texas school. Why would you not want your footprint in Texas, whether it's Texas Tech or Baylor or TCU or somebody? Um, you would want to have, you know, all those fans in that market that are there in the state of Texas. I don't see the Pac-12 just going with, you know, taking teams but not involving a Texas school. But nonetheless, uh, you hear those rumblings. Uh, you know, we've heard the KU and Big Ten stuff for a while and whatnot, and – um, the big things that Mike Vernon has put out there, the KU insider that's been kind of all over this, has said that, you know, one of the big points of uh, emphasis is going to be the stadium there at KU uh, of, you know, getting that money raised to renovate the stadium, which they've talked about doing for years. And now they're starting to see that money come in and that they've, seen at KU, this is a university that is, uh, you know, third in, uh, in fundraising in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma and Texas, but they don't have a whole lot of small donors. It's mostly just a small group of big donors. And now they're trying to recruit some of those smaller donors to come in. They're starting to see a response from that. And so this year, you know, whether it's schools like Kansas or Oklahoma State, Iowa State, whoever, you name it, in the, in the little 12 that's remaining. Um, you know, 
I, I'm not trying to put pressure on fans or whatever. I mean, because uh, that's ultimately up to your choice, you know, your personal choice. I know that personal choice has been a big topic of discussion these days. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if, if you're asking yourself, how can my team get into the best situation possible? It's going to be watching the games on TV, watching them on streaming services if you have to, going to games, showing your support, um, you know, being donors, whatever it is. I mean, if you're any of these eight teams, it's all hands on deck. And if you're an alum, I would be surprised if your university, if, if you're one of those eight, is not calling you uh, saying, hey, we need you to do your part and kind of help out on this. That's going to be the call of action. You know, uh, in, the, in the return of fans, I can't think of a year that's more important to the fans than, uh, than what we're looking at here in 2021 for who's left in the Big 12 looking for a new situation potentially. Uh, you could, you know, if, the, if if for whatever TV radio doesn't work out for you, you can be, uh, you can go head KU's alumni committee, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that was almost a that was almost a call to tithe what you had going on there. You know, everybody, come on, put your money in the offering plate. We got to get to the we got to get to the Big Ten. Oh, let's not be sacrilegious here, but uh, <laughs> I get where you're we, going. Yeah, I mean, we, it's going to feel get that to the way. Big Ten. Right? I mean, yeah, to, to a certain extent it does. Uh, you know, I'm I, I'm trying to do my part for OSU in terms of going to – I'm going to – Jones, I was looking at – I'm going to be at 10 of the 12 games this year for OSU. That's pretty nice. Right? So, but yeah, you're right. I mean uh, – you know, I haven't gotten any call. Like, hey, donate to the cause. It's, it's almost like uh, the the United States, Sam. You know, like we want you. <laughs> it does it's feel like there is. It's like college college football selling war bonds, right? Well, and uh, you, you hear the talk this week. There was the reports that um, some of these, you know, they're they're asking for the remaining eight for their commitment to the big 12 uh, to try to keep this league alive and expand. And, you know, other schools have said, Oh, we want to keep our options open. Wink, wink. Um, and now reports are out. The big 12 is going to go ahead and expand. Um, and, you know, the athletic had a report this week. They're targeting uh, UCF, Boise state, BYU and Cincinnati all due to their strong football programs. But the one team that there is some hesitancy about in Big 12 expansion is Houston. And that has to do with uh, the University of Houston's board chairman, Tillman uh, Fertitta. Uh, Funny name, I know, right? Um, (laughs) But uh, Tillman, if you go back to 2016, uh, remember uh, Houston was trying to get into the Big 12 and they were working with Texas and then Texas kind of backstabbed them and such. And Tillman has been very anti built big 12 and he's one of the biggest, if not biggest donors there at the university of Houston. And basically you got a guy that thinks he's Jerry Jones and the big 12 says, look, Houston's not worth the headache. We want to don't want to deal with that uh, in coming to 
the Big 12. We've already had – Do we really want to bring Dana Holgerson back to the Big 12? Right? Dana left on his own accord, you know? I mean, um, and he hasn't done too hot in these uh, first two years at Houston. But um, you have some issues there. You know, Houston has a bit of an ego trip. Uh, a Texas – a very much like a UT mentality, except without the money of UT. Um, they, they they think they're bigger than what they are. And, you know, if the Big 12 adds these four teams, uh, UCF, Boise State, BYU, and Cincinnati, all are very good football programs, all would compete right away in the Big 12. Then um, you'd have a decent, you know, conference. It would be, you know, a step above what the group of five conferences are now, but not quite to the level of a power five conference. Um, if, uh, if the remaining eight stay and those other four join, um, that's not a bad last resort. Money's not going to be there certainly like it is now. If, if you're one of the remaining eights, you still got to get out while you get the chance. If somebody offers you and says, we'll take it, you, you, you go to any of the other, you know, power three conferences. But if this is what the Big 12 is going to do, if they're going to move on from Bob Bowlesby and bring in these four teams, better option than going to the American or going to the Mountain West, whatever it is, is stay put in the Big 12 here. I mean, the Big 12 has found some new life. It's not a great situation by any means, but it, it's not the end of the Big 12 as we know it yet. There could be some quality football coming in uh, from some programs that you get them some more money out there. Let's see what they can do on a big stage, Tom. Yeah, I mean, UCF and Boise, it's, it's funny because, you know, UCF, Boise, and BYU all kind of have this, like, running, I don't know, G5 rivalry of sorts. Well, at least Boise and BYU do. And then Boise and, and, and UCF are actually playing in, what is it, next week. Yeah, week one, Thursday uh, night. Right. So that'll be interesting to see, but. You know, I, you, you mentioned those four teams, and Cincinnati I think would be a great ad, especially right now, uh, if they were to go that route. But, you know, I, I think you've got to call Colorado. I think you got to call Nebraska. And, I, I, you know, if those don't work out, I think you got to call Colorado State. Um, you know, I, I don't expect West Virginia to stay put. I, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't read too far in – to West Virginia, essentially probably moving to the ACC. Um, I don't even know if that's, you know, quite on the table yet. But uh, it, it seems like it would be so. Um, and so, you know, you, you bring in four new teams. Um, I guess if West Virginia left, that would put you at 11. You know, if they stayed, you would be back at 12 if you brought in those four teams. Uh, be kind of a geographical nightmare. But, you know, we, you mentioned it a couple weeks ago um, that, you know, the geography doesn't have to make sense anymore. Uh, you know, now it's all about money. It's all about business. You know, with how quick we can get places, it doesn't matter about travel or, you know, geographical location anymore. Um, and, and I guess, you know, to be fair, uh, the Big 12 or the remaining teams really can't – beggars can't be choosers is, is – as far as geography goes. So, um, you know, if, if you're the big 12, you're doing, you're, you're taking pages on anybody who wants to send one. Right. Um, I'm not trusting the big 12 or anyone in college football for that matter to be teaching a geography class. 
Um, that's not what they're there for. They're there to try to put together the best football conference they can come up with and make the best, best revenue possible. And who, I think- who, who said it? We're not here to play school. <laughs> we, we, we don't uh that was uh cardell jones i believe yes yeah that's all right <laughs> we're not here to play school we're not here to play school yeah we don't do geography lessons we're here to play football yeah so um it is an audition season of sorts you know that ucf boise state game might be a big 12 audition potentially for a spot i think they'll both be coming to the big 12, but uh, who knows if it comes down to one team, maybe that game has some value. I mean, there's still a lot to be played out for, for what's ahead. But with all that being said, as we look to the start of the college football season, beginning with this week with a week zero, and then we look ahead to next week with a week one officially here. Um, you know, let, let's go ahead and, and just kind of, you know, break this down, Tom. Um, you know, I look at the top four in the AP poll, Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Ohio State. I think you already have your college football playoff top four from the beginning of the AP poll. Maybe not in that order, but with the way that college football has gone, uh, with those four programs kind of taking a step up above everybody else, Um I fully expect those guys to be right up there again and be your four teams to beat to make the playoff. I think the eight people, I, I hate to say it, but I think they got it right. I think that's your four teams that make it in. I think Alabama wins the SEC. Uh, I don't see anybody getting in their way. I know that they have some uh, tough games with Texas A&M and LSU and Auburn and, and a non-conference game against Miami. I mean, Alabama's good, arguably – uh, one of the toughest, if not the toughest, schedules in college football this year. But the Tide are going to be good again. Uh, Oklahoma, I expect them to run through the Big 12. Iowa State is the only team that can get in Oklahoma's way. And Iowa State has two preseason All-Americans, first team in Brees Hall and Charlie Kolar, and not to mention a, an NFL future quarterback in Brock Purdy, who's had uh, his moments uh, over the years and should have another big season again. Iowa State will be good, but I don't think they're as good as Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma can go undefeated. Uh, Clemson, look at them in the ACC. Now, you play Georgia week one. They very well could lose to Georgia week one. Georgia looked really good in the second half of last year. JT Daniels came along as looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Clemson could lose week one, but I don't see them losing in the ACC. Even a week one loss, I think Georgia finds their way into the playoff. And then there's Ohio State. And the Big Ten is down right now. Michigan's irrelevant. Penn State is coming off a five-loss season. Uh, Indiana, they had a nice year last year, but they're still very unathletic. Same can be said about Iowa and Wisconsin. Ohio State's just more talented than everybody. That's the four teams I have in the playoff, Tom. Who are the four teams you're looking at to make it in? I would put the the team on the outside looking in as Georgia. I like Georgia, uh, what they bring to the table, but a game against Clemson, potential SEC championship against Alabama. Um, you got to play Florida and such. I think Georgia will take a lump or two along the way. I think that uh, they're the fifth best team in the country, but they're not far off from those other four. Who, who's your four that make it in? 
You know, I think it's going to be obviously Alabama. I, you know, I put a hundred dollars right now, um, a hundred to win a hundred that they win the whole thing. Um, let me be that. Let me be clear on that. I'm not taking less money if I'm going to bet it's even money or nothing. Um, but that being said, you know, it's got to be Bama. It's got to be OU. Unfortunately, I hate to say that. Uh, it makes me sick. Um, but it has to be. They could very well go undefeated. They could. Oh, you could very well win the whole damn thing. I wouldn't be shocked. I got OU winning the uh, whole damn thing. I got OU and Alabama in the title game. OU winning it all. I think Oklahoma's better than Alabama when it comes to skill positions. That's where I think separates the two. I think I like what this year's Oklahoma team brings better than I do Alabama with Alabama having to reload all those skill positions where they were one of the greatest college football teams of all time last year. That's where I think OU has a slight edge on Bama, but nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They very well could. I'd, I'd say those are my top two teams uh, as well. Like I said, as, as sick as it makes me to say, um, but you know, the other two, I'd probably have to say Ohio State. That makes sense. And then, yeah, okay, so Clemson kind of gets a little bit funky, to be honest with me. Uh, you know, I think that they will be there, and I think they will be fine. Um, you know, I, I wonder, though, could Notre Dame sneak into that? You know, yeah. I, I, I think I th- I, you, would, you would assume that it would be Clemson-Notre Dame, and then you would say the winner of the ACC goes. Right. You know, I don't I don't see anybody sticking out from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is going to beat each other up like they do every year. And that it's the winner of the Pac-12 is going to have two or three losses, probably two losses. Right. You know, and, and so there it's, I you know, as far as the ACC goes, it's got to be either Clemson and Notre Dame. Well, and, Notre Dame's and, not playing in the ACC this year. They're back to being independent. So uh, what, I guess when I say that, I'm saying like if, if Clemson was to take a few bumps, could Notre Dame sneak in? Yes. I, I think so. I think so. Um, and so, you know, for Clemson, no Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. It's it's no easy shoes to fill. I mean, those are big old sh- Shaq-sized shoes to fill. Say that three times fast. Shaq-sized sh- shoes. That's that's a tongue twister for you today. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be no easy, easy hole to fill. I think they'll be okay, but I – I could see Notre Dame sneaking in there. Do, do they deserve it? No. I've never been a believer in Notre Dame anytime they're, they get to that big stage. Never. Um, but I could see them sneaking in. Just to be a little bit different, I, I would. that's why I'm throwing in Notre Dame, just to be a little bit different. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The AP polls pretty much got it down pat. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of the reason why we're expanding this playoff eventually. Now it might not be until 2026. Um, but part of the reason why is we're getting the same four or we're getting a combination of, and it's predictable. The sport has become that the college football playoff has, uh, narrowed the gap, uh, where it's, you know, down to just a few teams every single year, uh, time and time again. And I love this sport. I do college football is still my favorite sport in the planet. Um, but we know going in ahead of time of who's going to be the teams to beat, you know. And each year since the college football playoff has started, there has been a team outside the top 15 of the preseason poll that has made the playoff. But none of those teams 
have made an impact. I mean, you look at, you know, Washington when they made it out of nowhere. I mean, they got romped by Alabama. Um, I mean, you look at just the way some of these teams have shot people and made it in. Okay, great. You know, uh, you know, Michigan State made it out of nowhere a few years ago, and then they got, you know, pummeled by Alabama too. So history tells us, okay, maybe it's not going to be one of those four that we mentioned miss, you know, like maybe Clemson or Ohio State don't make it, and someone else who we're not talking about, like let's say you get out of the top 15, okay, USC, LSU, Indiana, Iowa, Penn State, Washington, Texas, Coastal, Louisiana, Utah, Arizona States. You know, that's kind of who you're talking about outside that top 15. Um, one of those guys, okay, sure, maybe they get in. But um, history tells us that they're not going to do anything. There is one team, though, that does intrigue me of sorts. And it's Cincinnati, Tom. Here's what I mean by this. Think about this for Cincinnati for a second. Here's a team that um, went undefeated last year, went toe-to-toe with Georgia in the Peach Bowl, but ultimately uh, some bad clock management cost them that win. And they're going to play a 17th-ranked Indiana on the road. They're going to play Notre Dame on the road. And then you're going to play in the American Athletic Conference against the likes of UCF, Tulsa, SMU, whatever. Um, Cincinnati, if anyone is ever from the Power Five going to make the playoffs, ever, it would be Cincinnati this year. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, this is the only chance that a group of five team has to make the playoffs. Um, that would be the team I look at. They still have to go undefeated to do it. Win against Indiana, win against Notre Dame, um, and then hope to have some help along the way of some one-loss teams of sorts. But that's a team, Cincinnati, that, uh, that I'm keeping my eyes on. This is the best shot going in that any group of five teams had since this playoff system started, Tom. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, you know, as long as any, I, I mean, I think for Cincinnati, you have to keep your slate clean in terms of wins versus losses. Obviously, I think one even one loss derails your chances. Um, but if if someone else along the way can take the bump on the head, uh, then Cincinnati has a very real shot of getting in. Do I think they get trounced if they make it? Yes, I think they. I I, yes. I think they take one on the chin. Um, right. But should that disqualify them? Because I, my opinion on them is very little. Probably not. I, I would actually like to see it. Um, you know, it, it, for what it for what it's worth, I would like to see because I don't think it's going to be my team in Oklahoma State making the playoff. Unfortunately, and for what it's worth, and, and being as cynical as I am, I hope it's I hope it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Cincinnati. Yeah, that's just me. That's just me being cynical because it would be funny for OU and or Texas to to not make the playoff and then go to the SEC. Well, and then you look at this twelve team system that we're all talking about and everything. Last year, Cincinnati would have made a twelve team playoff, and no Pac twelve team would have made the playoff last year. Um, Cincinnati's a legit football team. Now, are they going to win the national title? No. Hell no, no chance. 
But, you know, if, if anyone's going to make the playoffs, if anyone has a realistic shot of a group of five team ever, this is the best chance anybody's had. And I credit Cincinnati, you know, Luke Fickle and company to go out there and say, we're going to schedule Indiana, we're going to schedule Notre Dame, and we're going to play that American conference schedule. More power to them uh, for being willing to step out. And, and same with UCF and Boise State, you know, the two premier group of five programs, I think, over the last, you know, 15 years. Um, for them to say, you know what, we're going to play each other. We're essentially going to have an elimination game for playoff hopes of sorts. Um, I credit these group of five programs for kind of stepping up and to the table and and uh, being willing to take some chances, put themselves out there and try to make a statement to, you know, uh, to take on that uh, last game of the year, can't hold anything back now mentality in the, in the preseason, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's it's – it'll be very interesting to see at the end of the year, you know, in, in terms of uh, the playoff of it, if it works out like we think it should, then, you know, it's, it, it almost goes to the levels of, of competition or levels of I'm trying to find the right word levels of just easy to easy to guess who that the NBA was a few years ago. If Cincinnati somehow sneaks in, like you've mentioned, they're not going to win it. But would it do good if they did sneak in? Uh, I think it would just I think it would just open the doors a lot quicker. You know, let's say Alabama's won and Cincinnati sneaks in to the fourth spot. Alabama's absolutely going to lose, absolutely going to lay down an ass whooping on Cincinnati. Uh, I mean, it'll be it, it'll be a, it'll be a slaughter. It'll be it, it would be I watch. I'm going to eat crow when Cincinnati pulls off a miracle, but. Um, that being said, if they do, I think that if, if, if you are not a fan of one of the teams we mentioned that the AP polls picked top four, I think you root for a team like Cincinnati too. you know, we know the, the expansion for the playoff is coming, but if Cincinnati can be that wild card to make it happen quicker, I, th- I think if, like I said, if you're not one of the top four teams, you're almost rooting for that. Right. You're rooting you know, for chaos. Because that's going to that's gonna speed that process up real quick because they're going to be like, oh, you know, OU with two losses and winning the Big 12 championship, but Cincinnati's undefeated. Who gets in? Right. Right. Uh, last thing before we uh, bring in Tim Brando here. Uh, so you got Alabama and Oklahoma in the title game with Alabama winning it, right? Right. Okay, and I got Alabama and Oklahoma in the Tyler game with Oklahoma winning it. What about the Heisman? Um, give me a name. Who are you watching for to, uh, to win that Heisman trophy, Tom? You know, it's it's as, as much as it pains me out. You, you would, you'd be stupid not to just immediately shout out Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I need to go throw up after giving as much love to OU as I have today. <laughs> I gotta go Rattler too. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley's That's the system. choice. It, it's it, Lincoln Riley's set up to do this. This is what he does is trains NFL quarterbacks and Heisman Trophy winners. Um, you know, that's just how it is. So yeah, Rattler's gotta be the guy. A couple other names to watch for. I'll I'll, I'll say this: Sam Hallett at UNC is gonna put up some monster numbers. 
and UNC is going to win a lot of games this year. I'm watching out for Sam Howell. Um, Don't you say Brock Purdy. Don't you do it. I'm going to say his teammate, Brees Hall. Um, Okay. Brees Hall might run for 2,000 yards, and he's the best running back in the country. He's just so incredible. He's going to be great in the league, too. Uh, I'm watching out for Brees Hall. Uh, I, I think he can make some noise, but he might not get enough attention in Iowa State to be considered for the Heisman. Those are a couple of names I'm watching for. So that's my list. Rattler, Hal, Brees Hall. Yeah, I think you'd be remiss not to put Hal in there as well. I agree with that. Uh, and I agree with Brees Hall too. Um, Hal, you know, I, I could see him putting up some good numbers. I, I think, you know, he's he's the reason I think UNC will win, obviously win as many games as they do. Without him, they're they're nothing. Maybe not nothing, but they're they're definitely, you know, sneaking in a bowl without Sam Howe. But, um, you know, if Iowa State pulls off the Big 12 championship, if they were to get in the playoff, you know, over OU, I think it, one would be one of the, the greater upsets or storylines, timelines in a long time. And Matt Campbell, you know, if – that that's another one to, to think of. Who's who do you got for coach of the year? I mean, I think if Iowa State can can pull that Big Twelve championship out of their ass, then I I would have to say Matt Campbell. Yeah, I think so. Um, that'd be an easy call uh, for Matt Campbell. But should be an exciting season. We're going to talk more about it with Tim Brando. Also get his thoughts on realignment and the alliance. And also, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, plus our Tom Fullery Story of the Week as well, coming up at the end of today's show. All that and more coming up next. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is Fox Sports College football broadcaster Tim Brando. He'll be on the call for Texas and Louisiana next week as we kick off another college football season. And there's plenty to discuss as Timmy B joins us right now. Brando, always appreciate the time to catch up, my friend. And we might have a few things to talk about today. Just a couple. <laughs> Just a few, right? <laughs> Man, the only thing that doesn't change is change. Yeah. Plenty of it. Uh, it's like college football and television, man. They go <laughs> hand in hand, you know. Uh, I, I look back, and, and uh, this is my fifth decade uh, covering college football, and it's my – fourth different network uh, and I'm now starting my eighth year at Fox and on September the 10th Tyler uh, it'll be my 50th anniversary of calling games I actually did a high school football game to start my career as a ninth grader I was 14 years old wow and uh, so when you see me at the Coliseum on September 11th with Stanford and USC with some Pac-12 after dark on that memorable day. We'll be on right after the Mets and Yankees, which is on after Colorado uh, and, and A&M. And, and they're on after OU Nebraska uh, that particular day. That will be, mark the 50th year of, uh, of my calling some form of football every weekend all my life. So that'll, that's kind of a cool thing. But I've worked at four networks in five decades covering this sport and uh you know i feel blessed the calendar's really been good to me that's fantastic congratulations on that we're looking forward to 
more of those games to come down the line. And for you, you and Spencer get started with uh, Texas in Louisiana, and you mentioned that USC Stanford game coming up. You get to go to the Horseshoe. I mean, uh, right after uh, right. the season gets started, I mean, you, you got some good games off the jump, it seems. Yeah, and you know the fun thing about it for us, uh, anyway, especially as I mentioned, I love going to new places. And at my age, you think I'd have been to all of them, but I haven't. Uh, all those years in the SEC on CBS, I, I didn't go anywhere outside the Southeastern Conference. So uh, being at uh, a place like the Coliseum for a USC game in prime time on the Pacific Coast, and after dark, you know, 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central, uh, and on a day like 9-11, you know, the 20th mm -hmm. anniversary of 911, uh, is just you know, I get, I get chills thinking about it because I've never done a USC game at the Coliseum and I've never done an Ohio state football game, uh, at the shoe. Now to be my age and to have been doing this as long as I have, and to be able to make that statement, this sounds bizarre, but it is true. And it's kind of one of the things that keeps me fresh and vibrant, energetic about, you know, what I do. Uh, since coming over to Fox, there are a lot of stadiums that I had not been in. I had not been at Kinnick Stadium at uh, Iowa City. I'd never been to Altson Stadium in Eugene. Uh, new places where college football is still, you know, like a cathedral is really cool. And uh, I, I'm really pumped up about that aspect of it, too. That's fantastic. And this offseason, the big talk, of course, has been – realignment starting with OU and Texas joining the SEC what was your initial reaction when you heard the news they were joining the Southeastern Conference well from a timing standpoint I was shocked like everybody else I don't think any of us saw it coming uh, at least the immediacy of it all uh, and in the middle of SEC media days uh, having it announced uh, at that point and it, it leaked out a little early you could tell that the commissioner of the conference wasn't that uh jacked up about it leaking out while some of his teams still had their days in the sun, so to speak, over in Hoover. But in terms of what it meant and, and, and means now, uh, as it relates to the, the growth of, of college football, uh, is it's staggering. I mean, it, it tilts uh, the landscape to a point where I really do believe that we're going to see college football move into the 21st century at long last. I am a, I'm a proponent of change in college football. I mean, you've been around me long enough to know mm -hmm. that. Uh, now, a lot of fans and some uh, administrators across the country are really pissed at the SEC and pissed at the uh, rights holder of the SEC. Uh, seeing Bob Bowlesby publicly uh, come down on, on ESPN's management the way he did, you know, with a cease and desist letter that was made public was, I, I never thought in my life I'd see something like that. But these are all growing pains when the sport's trying to move forward and needs to move forward. And in my mind, it all began with NIL. It all began with the 9 nothing vote from the Supreme Court that basically told the NCAA, you, you know, you have no shot here. Okay. Forget this. Okay. These young men uh, and women deserve to be able to cash in on their name, image, and likeness. Mm -hmm. You can no longer kick this down, this can down the street. 
when the commissioners of college football saw this, I think they understood the need for greed. We need more money. Coming off yeah. a year with COVID losses, everybody hemorrhaged money a year ago. And here you are, and you're looking down the, uh, the street at what's ahead of you, and you say, oh, my God, it, this is going to cost that, and this is going to cost that. And you know the players now are going to get a piece of this pie. We better prepare for that. And, and I think the, that uh, regardless of who made the calls, okay, I don't care whether Texas and OU's presidents called Greg Sankey or if Greg Sankey called them. It doesn't matter to me. The image and impression is, whether they like it or not, the Southeastern Conference poached two of the biggest brand names away from the Big 12, uh, right out from underneath them without any knowledge by anyone in a position of power at that league. So obviously feelings were hurt, right? but you could still, it was still a good business decision for Oklahoma and Texas to go. And I think in terms of the SEC, if you're looking at the constituency for Greg Sankey, he was doing exactly what you want your commissioner to do to grow your league. Mm-hmm. Okay. What ensures the future anymore than taking over the state of Texas and getting Oklahoma, uh, the big kahuna of the big 12. That's won what is it? A half a dozen in a row now, mm-hmm. uh, big 12 titles. I mean, why, why wouldn't you do that? So he did it. And now it forces all of the other leaders of all the other conferences to answer. And I think we saw that just a few days ago with the uh, alliance formed between the commissioners, Jim Phillips of the ACC, notably Kevin Warren of the Big Ten and Klyavkov, the new one out West with the Pac-12. They have, they have said, okay, checkmate. That's your check. This is our move. And, and I think their explanation is pretty simple. We want to bring stability and will not allow the turbulence created by this maneuver by the SEC to deter us from what we believe our mission critical statement is to our constituency. And that is college sports needs to remain college sports. This is how we're going to see that through. And it doesn't necessarily have to happen with expansion, but it can happen with an allegiance between the three properties that bring content to the sport. The Big Ten basically said, in my way of thinking anyway, we're not planning on expanding, but we are going to expand our content. We are going to deliver better games with uh, intersectional battles between schools of note that have history between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Uh, We already do it to some extent now. We are now going to prioritize it and give whoever claims the rights to our new television deal some mega matchups in some areas of the country that have a lot of televisions and will deliver big-time ratings. And we don't have to share that money with any more people necessarily because, hey, we've got the state of Michigan. We have Pennsylvania and Penn State. We have Ohio State, we have Michigan, we have Wisconsin, and we've got perennial teams like Iowa that have always delivered for us on a regular basis. So there's no reason for us to have to bring in uh, other schools to match your size because the other schools would not 
bring in any value. We need value here, not necessarily quantity. We need quality. We're going to improve the quality of our schedule to such a point that we don't need to expand. And uh, that's, that's uh, I think, throwing a lifeline to the Pac-12, which has been in a real poor state with its distribution of its uh, cable network that never worked out, mm-hmm. with uh, a conference that hasn't seen the light of day, with um, you know opportunities in, in the playoff that often, with the exception of Oregon in 14, and I think what Washington a couple of years later, mm-hmm. they haven't really had many opportunities. So the Pac-12 will get more. And as for the ACC, I think Jim Phillips inherited a bad TV deal that uh, was struck in order to get a cable network. The ACC wanted it so badly that they allowed ESPN to shortchange them on their rights for their games. So he's looking to find ways of making more money by adding to his content. And uh, in addition to having Notre Dame five times, now he can go out through his contacts from his days at Northwestern, get some Big Ten games on his schedule to try to get uh, ESPN to pony up a little bit more for what they might have. But more than anything else, Tyler, uh, I know there was a lack of specificity. I know there was a lack of, uh, uh, from a timing standpoint, when does this all begin? I think a lot of reporters, I think a lot of reporters felt like this was a, a dog and pony show that didn't give a lot of substance earlier this week. But I will tell you what it did do. It basically sent the message across the bow to the SEC that these three will vote together on every major decision that's made moving forward as college football addresses its future, short and long term. So their three will go against the SEC's one. Um, and, and, and by the way, the Big 12, I think, is also a beneficiary. Because the view I took away from all of it, even though no one really said it, was that none of these conference, none of these conferences really sounded like they wanted to expand. So the Big 12 leftovers should be okay. Bob Bowlesby now should know that his eight teams, if they remain diligent, tolerant, and patient, can and he can go out and find two or possibly four teams that he can bring in. They're going to be a part of the national championship equation for a long time to come. And a lot of people had the Big 12 dead and buried. You know this. Mm-hmm. You lived in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they all thought they were dead and buried. And especially the social media world of fans in the, in the Big 12 thought they were dead and buried. I think that is vastly uh, overrated and overvalued. I think the Big 12 is here to stay. And I think now – the guy that's on the clock to make the next move in this domino effect uh, from the uh, announcement of Oklahoma and Texas, it's definitely Bowlesby. It, it's, it's his turn now. And um, whether that's moving West to BYU and Boise or BYU, Boise, San Diego, or Colorado state, uh, or possibly even some sort of alliance with Mike Oresco and, and the American, we'll see. Um, uh, they would make for strange bedfellows now, given how upset Bowlesby mm-hmm. was with ESPN. But we've seen strange bedfellows before when it comes to uh, perseverance and survival in college athletics. So of the remaining Big 12 teams, I think we're calling them the Little 12, uh, of those eight, 
Who's the most attractive? Who do you think has the best chance of finding a landing spot? Well, I think it's a tie, really. I'm going to go with a tie. I, I think that right now, because of their current juice, Iowa State is uh, is probably the, the hottest team that's out there. Uh, not so much because of their uh, market size or um, not, not really not about anything other than Matt Campbell and the, the culture he's created and what they did a year ago and what they could do this year. I think the anticipation of the Iowa State season is so great that they are a hot commodity right now. Uh, but Oklahoma State is that other team that has been a consistent winner. I mean, let's face it, Texas cannot compare over the last half dozen years to what, or really decade, to what Oklahoma State has done. They have been, even though Oklahoma has dominated Bedlam, mm -hmm. I mean, dominated Bedlam. Yeah. Oklahoma State has also been the second most successful team in the Big 12 over the last decade. Right. Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy has done in Stillwater what Texas couldn't do with uh, three coaches since Matt Brown. So uh, I'd say those two right now are the, the most attractive teams. Uh, but I think they're also potentially um, the kind of teams that, even though they're attractive, not so much in the sense that if you're another league, oh, I got to have them. You know, I, I really want – I don't think they're attractive necessarily in that vein, but I think they could be good enough to help Bowlesby attract others to them. All right? Oklahoma State and Iowa State have a lofty perch and tradition of history, both recent and past, particularly Oklahoma State in its past. Uh, you know, they were – they were – they should have probably played in the 2011 national championship. They really should have, you know, 10 years ago, that was a team that, you know, we, we all know, we, we remember what happened ironically at Iowa. I State. still hear from it from Oklahoma state fans. Yeah. So. Yeah. That team should have played uh, for the national title. That was 10 years ago, but Iowa state, the team that beat them that Thursday night, which was the week of the, sadly, the plane crash involving mm -hmm. the women's basketball team. Um, and that had to have an, an influence on that game. I don't think there's any question that it did. Uh, that 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 plus Iowa State uh, make making those two teams uh, the stronghold of what's left. I, I think that that could attract uh, schools like, uh, as I mentioned, my first call would be to BYU and Boise, and then after that, uh, I'm looking. Do I want to go to ten or do I want to go to twelve? Okay what makes the most sense and do I, am, am I politically in a position where I can actually get something accomplished if I bring uh, Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American in, and we try to strike a chord similar to what we just saw with those three leagues, something similar with those two uh, to, to build a coalition for the future. I don't know that either one of those things are necessarily ready to happen now, but they could be. Yeah, they very well could. Uh, one more thing on this before we look ahead to the 2021 season. Uh, how does all this conference realignment affect expansion of the college football playoff now? I think it does. Uh, much to the chagrin of my friends in Bristol. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, look, uh, 
people will always say, ah, he's a Fox guy. So, you know, listen, business is business. Uh, ESPN has an exclusive period to negotiate a new deal. And uh, I'm sure they would love uh, to get that thing done sooner rather than later. Uh, But I do believe there are some aspects of what happened uh, in the, in the Oklahoma, Texas uh, circumstances that are very much at work right now uh, in the manner in which these commissioners are going to approach the game short-term and long-term. And uh, long before this happened, I think that through their research, they felt like it was probably in the best interest of the college game. If you're going to go to 12 teams and they've made that commitment, that the price tag is going to go way up. You know, we're not talking $667 million. We're talking about $2 billion with a B annually. Well, that's a hefty paycheck, even for uh, the folks at Disney and the, or the folks at Fox. I mean, uh, I've been in the business for a long time, and that's a lot of money. That's a lot of dough, especially when you're on the hook for a lot of other things. And the SEC now is going to have to pay more money. Um, I'm sorry, ESPN is going to have to pay more money to the SEC now that Oklahoma and Texas are coming in, right? And mm-hmm. they still have to. And if they want to get the CBS window that they already have have won the rights to have in 2025, there's three years left on that contract. If they want to get those games away from CBS, they'll have to pony up even more money to get that. Mm-hmm. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, uh, you, anybody tells you they know, they're lying. None of us know. But I do think there's a really good chance that moving forward, uh, it's in the best interest of college football, regardless if it's the company I work for or any other company, uh, Tyler. I think it's in the best interest of college football to have more than one rights holder for the playoff. I, I think it would just do a great deal of good uh, for college football. It certainly was the blueprint that Pete Rozelle used for the NFL to get more than one network involved and, and college football would be well served to look at that business model. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, I, I think the commissioners right now, uh, based on, you know, the ones I talked to and the, and the ADs involved, what I'm hearing is, uh, look, there are more dominoes to fall. The big 10 may not expand, but that doesn't mean the PAC 12 won't doesn't mean that the, I mean, there still could be a lot of movement out there that, None of us know about, uh, and certainly Bowlesby and the Big Twelve have to do something. So, until such time as that happens, uh, you can forego any thoughts of going to twelve. We're going to stay with four, uh, as for as long as need be, until things settle down on the realignment front. And and what that means, I think, is it could be later rather than sooner that the 12 team playoff actually begins. Well, and, and if that's the case too, that could delay more uh, Oklahoma and Texas making the move. They could say, look, we're going to go ahead and ride out, play our contract with the big 12 where it's easier for us to make the playoff here in a four team system, wait to go there uh, when it is a 12 team yeah. system for them. I mean, now, now that, 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 that is the opposite of what a lot of pundits are, are saying. Yeah. You know, a lot of the writers that are out there, I heard, uh, 
Matt Hayes, who's now working for Saturday Down South uh, the other day on Feinbaum show saying that what he's hearing is that the expectation among ADs in the SEC is that OU and Texas will be in their league next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and that may well be the case. I mean, it could be. But if that is the case, they'll both be ponying up $80 million to the Big 12. That's a chunk of change uh, for anybody, uh, even for programs the size of OU's in Texas. And still on the CBS contract, too, as far as we know right now. So, yeah, there's a lot to uh... – I mean, like I said, I mean, that's – the CBS, why would CBS give up something that they've had for a long time. They only pay $55 million. Right, it's a bargain, yeah. It's an absolute bargain basement price. You can promote your Sunday afternoon of the NFL coverage, get the best rating on a regular basis of any other college football game. Why would you take anything less than market value to give that up? Right. I mean, and market value is greater than $300 million, Six, seven times what you paid for it. Right. So, I mean, that, that, that's what we're talking about here. And, you know, it's funny, Tyler, fans, uh, all the years that I did what you're doing now, when I would talk sports business, fans would just tune out. They, they, it, whether it went over their heads or they just didn't care about anything other than where their team is playing and what network it's on, they really didn't care about who was doing what, who had the rights to this or that. Well, they're going to start caring now. <laughs> they're going to have to start caring because the, the future of, of, of how they're watching sports is going to be changing dramatically uh, in the next three or four years. I bet you still have that uh, 60 minutes promo uh, memorized, you know, uh, after all those years, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. entirety, tonight on CBS. Yes. Uh, the old Pat Summerall line, right? Murder. She wrote. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's great. Looking ahead to uh, 2021, the uh, AP poll has Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State's the top four. Timmy B, I'll be honest, I'd be surprised if that's actually not the college football playoff top four when it's all said and done. I think those four Could teams kind of separated themselves. What do you make of the uh, the four that have the best shot of getting in, in your opinion? Could be. I, I like Oklahoma ahead of Alabama. If you've seen my preseason top 10, I've got the Sooners uh, at one. I've got Alabama at two. Uh, and I've got Cincinnati crashing the party. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, look, uh, you know, some would say that's a reach. And it is. But I, I'm I'm usually up, up for a reach every now and then. Sure. Uh, Cincinnati should have beaten Georgia last year. And I think one of the reasons why we're going to we saw this move to go to 12 was because Cincinnati held up its end of the bargain, you know, the way they performed in that game, even though they didn't win people know if they had just managed the clock better, they would have won. Mm-hmm. I talked to Luke fickle a couple of uh, weeks ago and he's still playing that over in his head. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. he, and, and that team returns intact, just like the raging Cajuns Cincinnati returns intact. The Ritter quarterback, all of them. I mean, they are ready to go, and they have games early at Indiana, a week off at Notre Dame, and then uh, they get into the meat of their schedule with UCF in the American. I'd say that is a schedule hardwired to make tremendous moves up from where they are, 
and I think where are they now? Eighth. They're eighth. Hey, yeah. In the preseason polls now, in in the ones that matter. My, mine, I've got them four. But what I'm saying to you is, my poll, as you know, is always about predicted finish, not where they deserve to start. Right. You know? Uh, what we see with the AP and the coaches poll is basically a starting grid for the pure playoff privilege. That's where it's always been. But now uh, Cincinnati with that schedule, you know, they could move up dramatically because Indiana is highly thought of Notre Dame is big time. And I think those are games uh, they could potentially win. Now, ironically, they lost their defensive coordinator Freeman to Notre Dame which will be an interesting sidebar if they go into that game undefeated. But, uh, you know, I think Clemson is the team that might be in trouble this year. I've got Ohio State in the third hole. I think I think Clemson could have a hiccup uh, in the ACC. ACC's improved. Uh, teams like NC State, Doran's done a really nice job. I think he's on the precipice of doing something special. There are some landmines out there for Clemson this year. Uh with uh, with Lawrence gone that I think uh, could be problematic. They, they might lose twice. It would take two losses, in my opinion, uh, for them not to make it. But um, if Cincinnati can run the table uh, in the regular season with a schedule including at Indiana, at Notre Dame, I think they have a real good shot of shocking the world here. Yeah, they very well could. Uh, you mentioned Oklahoma at number one. That's my national championship pick. I like Oklahoma to break through. Yeah. Do you think yeah. Alex Grinch and company have the defense there to get it done? Does Oklahoma fight, have well, they made that point? Yeah, I think the middle of their defense is really stout. Uh, you know, we had them last year right when they got uh, Stevenson back and the, the two, the two big-time defensive players in the middle came back after the uh, sort of under the uh, under the radar suspension of those guys for six mm -hmm. games. Yeah. And they put on a show at Texas Tech and blew them out and controlled the line of scrimmage. And they basically did that with everyone else they played the rest of the year. You know, Baylor defensively at the end of the season, Spencer and I were there for a game in mid-November, and Baylor's defense, Aranda, did a hell of a job. That's another team that is a sleeper this year. Keep an eye on them uh, in the Big 12. They're really going to be improved on offense. Their defense is already very good. But Oklahoma really won that game with their defense. They were just unstoppable uh, in that game. And I thought that carried through for them through the bulk of the, the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, the Sooners are a little bit like – because their offense is so dynamic. Uh, if they can just – they don't have to be Alabama good to win every game, but if they like, or say a top 10, top 20, somewhere between 10 and 20, 15, 16th ranked defense, they, they can win a national title easily with that good of a defense. And I, and I think that they're much closer to being that this year. I'm, I'm with you. I like Oklahoma as the best team in college football this year. Yeah, they're really dynamic. We'll love what they bring to the table. Alabama, you got a new quarterback uh, coming in, Bryce Wood. Uh, a lot of hype around him. We know they're stacked and such. Um, how do you feel about the uh, the tide there? You, you said you like Oklahoma better. Is it anything 
against Alabama, or is it more so no. you like what Oklahoma offers better? No, no, I think it's uh, you know the talent for Saban is there; it always is. I just don't think that the uh, every skill position is going to be as good as it was last year, and it sure. was charts good. And I think Alabama's defense, as a result, was not as exposed last year as it will be this year. Uh, I think Alabama's defense uh, might be a little more exposed because the Alabama offense might not be quite as dynamic uh, as it was a, a year ago. You know, they they were blitzkrieging teams in the first quarter and a half and really did, could put it on you know, autopilot the rest of the way. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. And the schedule, I think, works against them. You know, I, and I think when you look at Excuse me, Bruno Mars here. Um, <laughs> I think when you look at, I think when you look at, um, when you look at their schedule at Florida at A and M and um, LSU comes to them, but I think LSU is really legit this year. I mean, like one loss legit. A mm. and uh, is 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 getting more pub because of the year they had and the way they finished. But the questions they have at quarterback, I think, are worth taking a look at. LSU's got no problem at quarterbacks. As a matter of fact, even with the loss of, of um, uh, Miles Brennan uh, to that kind of weird fishing injury, uh, they're still in pretty good shape. The kid Nussmeyer is a talent, and um, Max Johnson's a real answer for them at quarterback. That win he went out there and got for them on the road at Florida last year in the swamp mm-hmm. was huge, huge. Uh, just in terms of building confidence and the staff changes that were made by Orgeron were remarkably good. Uh, he made a lot of errors in judgment last year, Orgeron. He's fixed that right away. So I, I think that there are teams in the SEC that people are overlooking. Um, Florida might be one of them. Uh, I think without question, LSU is one of them. Uh, LSU has picked, anywhere between 10 and 20 by most of the polls that you look at. I, I think they could be as high as seven or eight uh, in the country. And, um, and, I, and I think that A&M is a, is a problem potentially as well for Alabama. So Alabama's schedule that had um, always been in their favor, I think isn't quite as much in their favor this year as, uh, as past seasons. So, Landmines are out there. The Georgia love is also out of whack. I, I, I don't see Georgia being light years ahead of everybody in the East. Mm-hmm. I think Florida will still compete. I think uh, Kentucky is vastly overlooked. Uh, and in the West, I, I didn't mention this, but Ole Miss is maybe the best offense in the country. Mm-hmm. Corral is the arguably the number one player taken in the next draft at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So if Lane, if Lane Kiffin can get a top top 60 defense, <laughs> forget top 15 to 20. I mean, his offense is so good. They were number one a year ago. If they could just get, you know, instead of being 134, move up to, say, 75th in defense, <laughs> Ole Miss might win eight games. Yeah, I mean, they, they hung 45 on Bama last year. They so, did. Watch out. a problem for Alabama. They have, they're a matchup problem for Alabama with what they do. Mm-hmm. Similar to when Hugh Freeze was there. Yeah. You know, Kiffin's got that same kind of personnel now that Hugh Freeze had about seven years ago. 
couple more for you, then we'll let you run. Heisman, who's on your list? You know, I really don't look at Heisman that much, uh, but I think you'd have to be a little bit of a nutcase right now not to look at Rattler number one. Mm-hmm. Rattler's got to be number one. Uh, I think that uh, after that, there are a lot of usual suspects. But one guy I would keep in mind is Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock's not thought of because Brees Hall is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brees Hall's the top running back in the country. Uh, but Purdy, in order for Iowa State to take the next step, Purdy's got to have a hell of a year. Yeah. And I think he is in a position to do just that. Yeah, I think he'll be a lot of fun to watch uh, for sure. And, you know, with Charlie Kolar there at the tight end spot as well, yeah. I mean, that offense is uh, something special. Last question for you. Look uh, at these games. These most, what are the most intriguing ones to you that you're excited about just throughout this year in 2021? Well, I mean, look, uh, Oregon, Ohio State's going to be fun because I think they've recruited so well, uh, but they've not really done it on the field yet. You know, as great a recruiter as Mario Cristobal is, I think jury's still out on how good of a bench coach he is. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't really had that breakthrough big time. Uh, win an uh, opportunity against Ohio State on the road is huge. Uh, that's one that jumps out. I mean, Clemson, Georgia is a game everybody's talking about, understandably so. I think it's a game that um, Clemson, some might say Clemson can't afford to lose because they don't have to. I mean, no one in the ACC is so highly thought of that they can get that W back if they lose to Georgia. They need the Georgia win to bolster their resume. Uh, So you could say that the game has more pressure for Clemson uh, than it does for Georgia, but it's a neutral site game uh, that I think will probably have more Clemson than it does Georgia fans uh, there in Charlotte. But, you know, look, there there are some under-the-radar must-see games, which I think includes mine and Spencer's with uh, Louisiana Mm -hmm. and Texas, two top 25 teams. Uh, and Sarkeesian's as a head coach still has a lot to prove. Yeah. He got a lot to prove and Billy Napier turned down two SEC jobs to stay in Lafayette with the Raging Cajuns this year. So he knows he's loaded. And if, if Louisiana wins that game and then runs the table, you know, they're going to be chirping like Cincinnati about what about us? What about us? You know? They've got Coastal in their league, too. You know, Coastal could likely run the table, but they don't play anybody non-conference. This is where that Kansas game at Coastal (laughs) doesn't help them. You know, it just – it doesn't help them. Uh, So, you know, those are are games that sort of jump out to me as, uh, you know, must-see games that that really stir me up a little bit. Uh, That third weekend with uh, Oklahoma-Nebraska – for us at Fox, we're calling this the year of the fan mm-hmm. um, yeah, because fans are returning uh, with protocols in a lot of places that are more stringent than others, but they are returning. And that, that third weekend for us is pretty incredible. Uh, we've got um, Oklahoma to Nebraska, uh, 50 year anniversary of the game of the century mm-hmm. uh, in Norman, follow that up with a road test for Texas A&M at Colorado. And then we'll have the Mets and Yankees on commemorating uh, the 2001 MLB game when George W. Bush came out uh, and, and threw the first pitch. And then right after that, we'll be 
Spencer and I will be at the Coliseum, and it'll be the first time in the history of Fox Sports Television that a game starting that late on the West Coast would be on Big Fox. Wow! And it's a and it's a you know it's a rivalry game in the Pac-12. You know Stanford uh, at USC, and USC is I think there's a lot of pressure on Helton to you know follow up what seemingly was a a good year, but a year that left them short when they didn't beat Oregon in the mm-hmm. Pac-12 title game. They need to, to get some juice and have a great year. And so SC at home in a big game environment with Stanford to close, that's a great day. That's yeah. a, it's a hell of a day for Fox in our portfolio with college football. It's going to be special. Should be a fun year of college football. Looking forward to uh, hearing you and Spencer be around the action all season long and should be an exciting year. Timmy B, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, I want to give you a quick plug, too. You're doing cameos now, right? I am. I'm on cameo. I sure am and enjoying it. So, <laughs> you know, if you, and by the way, I can do cameo not as me. I can do it as Harry Carey. I can do it as Keith Jackson, whoever you want. You, you know me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh I, here we go. I, I need you to do my wedding someday now. <laughs> now that, that, hey, you let me know when it's, hey, I'll be there with bells on. Tim Brando joining us here at the Jones Sport this week. Timmy, we appreciate you joining us. We'll talk again down the line. Have a great season. Okay, Tyler. Thank you, buddy. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. Also by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also reach out to Bo by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian with a Y, dot O'Connor at lpl.com. Also, O'Connor Advisor Group on Facebook. You can check out OAG there. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, we have football to be had this week. Thank God. We I actually watched a couple of games this past week. Pre-season. Yeah, it was nice to watch. Yeah, I don't usually watch a lot of preseason, but I, I – one, the Saints were on Monday nights. So I had to watch that game. But I watched a few a few things here and there. And uh, I have some opinions, some observations, things. Yeah. I'm sure you oh, do. And we got week zero in college football. Yep. I'm okay with the week zero. I like getting a little jump start here. Yeah, you give it a little something. It's like a palate. It's like a palate cleanser. Give me a little something, you know. Just reach over and get a little something on the plate there. A little something to get me going here. That's, that's all it is. So what games do we have this this week? We got uh, Nebraska and Illinois. Okay. Hawaii taking on UCLA. Those are the two marquee games. UCLA gets a warm up before LSU goes out there to beat the devil out of them. Yeah. Man, that's not fair. <laughs> LSU gets to play an in, gets to play a scrimmage, and UCLA gets to beat up on Hawaii. You know what? I've always wondered how Hawaii was not a football powerhouse. Right. In the NI in the, in the NIL rules in this life now, Hawaii should be a football powerhouse. They should be. Why you don't want to go live in Hawaii? You don't want to go to the beach? <laughs> Look, whoever's listening, if you're an alumni of the University of Hawaii, you get a shitload of your friends together, and you hire Coach Bo to be the head coach at the University of Hawaii. Not only will you go to a bowl game every single year, I promise it won't be the Hawaii Bowl. We're going to get you to a real bowl game, and we're going to get some kids. We're going to recruit. We're going to get all the California kids. Actually, we'll go to those places 
where they go, oh, we don't have a good beach. And we'll go get those kids and bring them out to Hawaii. Because what kind of a recruiting trip is that? I mean, just recruit yourself. I can't over on that recruiting trip, but I just quit. Yeah. I don't understand it. They got, they've had some good coaches out there over the years, too. Yeah. We get uh, Nebraska and Illinois on big noon kickoff. <laughs> you know, that is two teams that should be powerhouses, too. I mean, really, Illinois is the biggest school in Illinois, and Nebraska's Nebraska. Oh, they're not Nebraska anymore. They're just Nebraska. You know, so I – Brent Bielema is uh, back, by the way, coaching for Illinois now. Oh, wow. I did not realize Brent Bielema was coaching Illinois. Interesting coaching matchup, Bielema and Scott Frost. Yeah. I still don't know how Scott Frost – I mean, yeah, I know how he got the job. He's the alum and everything, but – I Nebraska screwed up. You know what they did? You know, they won a national championship though. Yeah. You know, so in Nebraska has to me sort of like in baseball, the curse of the Bambino and the curse of like the, the goat curse in Chicago with the Cubs in Nebraska. It was when they fired um, Frank Solich, Frank Solich. Yes. Frank Solich is a hell of a coach. Yes. They fired him after a 10 win season. So Nebraska doesn't deserve to be any good. They don't deserve good coaches. They don't deserve any of that stuff. They're going to have to find someone to break that curse. I don't understand it. There should be a curse of Frank Solich because they screwed that guy up. Um, are you intrigued with any of these games you're going to be watching Saturday? No. No. I, if something's on and I glance at it, maybe. I might look at like a quarter of the UCLA game just because they're playing LSU the next week. But You're going to scout them. Yeah, I mean, Case Coach O needs any help. I mean, I don't think he's calling me right now, but, you know, he's, he's a little busy. But, you know, I'll just look to see a little something about them. Am um, I a degenerate if I go ahead and go to the sports book and lay a bet in Illinois? No. No, okay. I, no it, it, it's no longer a degenerate thing to do. You know, sports gaming has become so, um, you know, it's kind of – it's it's just – it's not something that the degenerated exercise anymore. It's 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 mainstream now. We're not starting our pick'em contest again until next week, but I like Illinois in the points at at uh, as a seven point underdog. Okay. So Illinois is a seven point dog at home in Nebraska, right? Yes. Give me the spread. I'll give you some picks this week. Uh, give me uh, give me about two seconds here. We'll. Uh, okay. We're not going to do the full-on segment like we do. Uh, yeah, we'll I'll, do, I'll but we can run through these real fast. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, some of these lines. We need hold music. Week zero. We need um, hold music. UConn and Fresno State. Fresno State's a twenty-seven and a half point favorite. Fresno in later points. UCLA favored at seventeen and a half against Hawaii. Ooh. That's at home. I'll take UCLA. UCLA has not won a non-conference game since 2017. It's Hawaii they're playing. And Hawaii it was against Hawaii, Hawaii their last non-conference Hawaii win. Hawaii and UConn are in the argument with Kansas for the worst team in college football. <laughs> UTEP and uh, New Mexico State. UTEP's a 10-point favorite on the road. Take the ro- I'll take the home dogs. Okay. Southern Utah and San Jose State. San Jose State's a 22-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I know nothing about either of these teams. I'll pass. 
No, 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 no. You called for these lines. You got bigger. all right, all right. Let me see here. Southern Utah is how big a dog here? 22 and a half. All right, give me all the big favorites, but tease them so I can get them down. Okay. So there you have it. A little uh early picks. The hey, official bit second. Hey, if you're gonna go hit the teaser on the three big favorites, yes, that'll save you. We'll do the official picks next week, but this is what we got for now, what we got to work with. So, uh, nonetheless, should be How fun. How gamble here in Kansas? Did we get that approved yet? Not yet, no. Yeah. I want to tell everybody within the Kansas house, please get sports gaming approved. Please? I just want to go. Are you please? Pretty I know please. the casino is ready for it. I'm ready. I'm ready to gamble. I'm sure you are. I can't coach a game. Let me at least gamble on it. Right. Um, speak while we're talking college football, yeah. uh, the Alliance, this thing's a joke, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is the, the thing that stood out to me, mess with well, each other, but we're still going to be, but we're still competitors. I, and then on top of that do? too, they didn't make this whole big announcement. We're going to put an emphasis on scheduling non-conference games against each other. We're doing this, whatever. And the very next day, LSU, and USC say, you know what? We're playing each other in 2024. Pac-12's played a, a uh, SEC school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a joke. I saw the quote from the ACC commissioner saying that they needed the Big 12 to stay intact. That's because the ACC is worried about them being squeezed too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all it is. It's they're worried that the SEC is going to squeeze out two or three of those schools, which would be Florida State, North Carolina, and Clemson, and. They squeeze out two of those three next. They go to they're gonna to get to 20 teams. That's all that is. That's just them trying to. You ever seen Blazing Saddles? Yes, great movie. When the governor's running around, they tell the governor something, and he goes, We gotta protect our phony baloney jobs. That's what the commissioners of these conferences are doing. Everyone at the, day, at the Big 12 office is trying to protect their phony baloney job because none of them should have a job right now. Like Bowlesby, that's a joke. He's a joke as a commissioner. Well, they bring in Oliver Luck as an advisor, and I'm a big Oliver Luck fan, but I like what, can Oliver, what can Oliver Luck do at this point? I mean, he's just he's just stealing money now, right? And he stole and, and did he ever get paid by Vince McMahon? No, he's still in a court. He's still, he's still in litigation with Vince McMahon. Yeah. See, that's why he's trying to get a check because Vince still owes him money. Right. Yeah, a bit, uh, Oliver Luck, I got a lot of respect for Oliver Luck, but Oliver Luck's not saving the Big 12. No. No, I mean, it's a done, it's a done deal. Yeah, if, if you're an AD, a president, and any of these schools in the Big 12 that are left, the eight that are left, you need to be looking for a life preserver, and you need to push everybody out of the way to get one. Plain and simple. I mean, just, we cannot, the women and children cannot go first. It's it's. Every man for themselves. That's what's going to have to happen because it's over. Texas and Oklahoma have ended it. Right. Yeah. Let's move on to the NFL. We got a couple of starting quarterbacks named Teddy Bridgewater in Denver, yeah. Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. We all expected Trevor to win the job. That's no surprise. Teddy, though, Drew Locke just a couple of years ago, they made it known was their quarterback of the future. They invested in, they believed in, and now going with Teddy – I mean, Teddy, I don't have a problem with it. I've always liked Teddy, but this is a pretty clear sign that uh, they're preparing for 
the next step. Uh, the, Teddy's a holdover until they find a better option, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or agency. drafting somebody. Yeah. 2022 free agency is going to be crazy. We know that. There's going to be quarterbacks galore. We know the big one's going to be Aaron Rodgers. There's going to be other names out there. Could be Deshaun Watson could be out there if whatever things litigate there. There's going to be names. And the Broncos are the prime landing spot. This is just simply who gives us the best chance to win. And it is Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's a better quarterback than Drew Locke. They can't take the chance. They, the Broncos, cannot take the chance to try to develop somebody right now. They just got to stay in the hunt. And Teddy's a better fit for that. Now you got to see if you can find a sucker to take Drew Lott off your team. Yeah. Do you think anybody wants him? Look to see if someone gets somebody hurt in the first four or five weeks. You know, I mean, if Dak's not 100%, that would make a good sense to me. Um, I see him as a backup somewhere. I see him in a backup place. I'll float you an idea. Okay. Tampa. Yeah, because Kyle Trask hasn't looked too hot. Tampa as a backup, a place like that with a veteran quarterback, mm-hmm. and you're saying, hey, most veteran quarterbacks get banged up for a week or two. Maybe someone who's got a coach who's a little bit of a coach guru or a quarterback guru. You know, I can see Bruce Arians do say, hey, will you take a fourth rounder for the guy and do something like that, see if you can resurrect something. You know, the Texans, that'd be somebody that might make a phone call for that. You know, a couple of places like that, I could see that. And just, you know, what would be the harm of the Jets making that phone call and giving that young, their young quarterback a few weeks or, you know, a, even half a season to be ready? You know, I don't see a problem there doing that. I mean, you're not always expecting him to win four, more than four games anyway. Do you, you know? think Drew Locke gets another chance at some point in his career to be a starter, or is this the end of the road for him? Is he going to be a backup the rest of the way? It would probably be a backup the majority of the, the most of the way. I The only example I can see is if he goes somewhere where a coach really believes in him and believes in his skill set and can sit him for a year, you know, whether that be this season or next, and can, and can have a veteran in front of him. Drew Locke would have been a perfect backup to Drew Brees last year. Mm-hmm. Drew Locke would have been a good backup. He's a good backup to Teddy Bridgewater. Um, you know, he'd be a perfect guy to back up Tom Brady. Just someone that, look, is not going to knock anyone's socks off, and no one's going to throw babies in the air that this guy's your quarterback. But if he's with the right people, maybe he can become more than what he is now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a change of scenery sometimes. No, yeah. uh, but the, the likelihood is that no, he's never a starting quarterback ever again. Uh, we mentioned Trevor Lawrence being named the starter in Jacksonville, and he's going to be without his college teammate Travis Etienne. Etienne's got an injury that's going to sideline him for the rest of the year. James Robinson, though, is coming off a thousand-yard season. Um, you know, the, the, they already were fine at running back, right? I mean, the J- Jags have a lot of holes, but. James Robinson's not an issue there. I don't think they're going to need ETN too much. What say you? No, I, I feel bad for ETN. I don't like seeing young young players get hurt. I don't like seeing anybody get hurt. But, right. Uh, he got the list Frank thing, didn't he? Yes. The foot, and that's just that's going to nag him forever. I'm glad they're telling me to season because he he could try to fight it and get back for the end of the season. There's no reason to do that on that bad team. Um, 
I, I so I don't know. I, running back to me, I've said this for the last few years. Running back is the most replaceable position on a football team in the NFL. Not saying at every other level, just in the NFL. There's no running back where you go, oh my God, they lose that guy, their season's over. And so I think what it hurts him is that you're not going to have as much of a committee. James Robinson has been good. He was real good last season. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to get somebody to spell him. So I don't know who else is in that mix with him. But that's what they were really going to do with Etienne. They were going to excuse him to spell him, get him some carries, and then you'd see more year two, year three, because Robinson's not going to be the answer in the long run because no running back is the answer in the long run. Right. Look at Carlos you, Hyde. You run out, you run out of uh, you run out of some you have so many carries in your career. Mm-hmm. You look at these these running backs that have large numbers of carries, the trend with tires thins quickly. And when you have big volume of carries, it's gonna hurt. Speaking of uh running backs and uh and the tread, the uh, Rams give up a, a fourth and sixth round pick to the Patriots to bring in Sony Michelle. Um, Sony Michelle had a hell of an AFC championship game a couple of years ago, get the Patriots to the Super Bowl, but he's had some injury issues, and I felt like we haven't heard much from him since then. Heck of a career at Georgia, too. I mean, still a young guy. The Rams had a hole at running back after Cam Akers was out for the year. Do you like this move for the Rams to go after Sony Michelle? Yeah, he's someone that there's not a lot of tread off the tires because he's always been running back by committee. He's never had to be the every down back. So, again, I think that running the teams are going to – good teams have committees at running back. I mean, save a team that's got – I mean, if you have Derrick Henry, it's different. If you have Saquon Barkley or, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, those guys are different. Um, you know, Kamara and McCaffrey. A few of these guys are better than everybody. But even those guys, a lot of it's the, using the passing game to take down those numbers. Otherwise, you've got to be a committee. You've got to figure out who runs best in what plays and with what formations and what coverages, who's a better blocker, who can catch the ball. Sonny Michelle can do a little bit of everything. He's not going to wow everybody. And if you're crazy and think that Sonny Michelle all of a sudden is going to be a fantasy sleeper you're wrong because no rams running back is going to be a sleeper because they're all going to play they're going to play three or four of them most likely you're going to have some that blow up one week and some that blow up the next it's just going to happen somebody's run the hot hand in the game but overall i think it's a good pickup for the rams and they didn't spend a whole lot it was it was a four and a six mm-hmm. it was a six this year and a four next the year yeah. after Mm-hmm. So I wonder if also if that four is based upon carries or playing time or anything like that. I don't know. That's a very Belichickian way to do things. Yeah. Um, the uh, Saints, I know you've been following that quarterback situation closely. Jameis looked incredible against Jacksonville there. Um, when? How long is it going to take for Sean Payton to name Jameis the starter now? He's T-minus two weeks ago. Um, there should never have been a competition here. I've said this since we talked back in February. This is Jameis's job. Give Jameis the job. It's his job. Taysom Hill should not even be in the quarterback's room. There's my hot take. Get him the hell out of the quarterback room. I watched every snap of that game. He's awful. (laughs) If he goes back to college and wants to run the freaking option or the read option, great. But he's a 31-year-old quarterback who still doesn't have an accurate arm. 
What's my favorite line you love so much to me to say? Get the f*** out of here with your bullshit. Come on, man. He shouldn't even be in there. I heard him talk about the Saints may keep four quarterbacks. You only have to have two. They only need two. It should be Jameis. Trevor Simeon should be the backup. And if you can figure out a way to keep Ian Book on the practice squad, do it. But I'd rather have Ian Book as my third quarterback than, than Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill needs to go sit his ass in the tight end's room and play tight end. Especially with all the safe injuries at tight end. Just get him all the way the hell out of the, tell him the tight end's room is down the hall. You know, we don't need you in the quarterback's room anymore. Sean Payton needs to quit lying to Taysom Hill. And he needs to quit lying to himself, thinking he's some sort of goddamn guru. He's no goddamn guru of quarterbacks. He had Drew Brees for 15 years. So Sean Payton's complicating winning here. I, one of my favorite things is don't complicate winning. That's my favorite thing in all of life. You can apply it to any part of life. And Sean Payton is complicating things. Name, name Jameis Winston the quarterback. Move the other guy down the down the hall to the tight ends room, and get done and get your season started. The Saints' offense looked great with Jameis Winston, and I don't want to hear anything else about thirty touchdowns, thirty interceptions. Yeah, he had thirty interceptions two seasons ago. You know Didn't why? Drew Brees have a season. Goddamn ball, forty yards every play. You know, Didn't Drew Brees have a season in New Orleans where he threw about twenty-seven picks? Yes. I mean, if you're going to keep throwing deep balls constantly, 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 like they did with Jameis in in Tampa, then he's going to throw a lot of picks. Hell, Tom Brady would do that. But why doesn't he throw picks? Because they don't run that kind of offense. Nobody does. That's why the whole staff got fired in Tampa. So if you watch Jameis, Jameis has an arm. He's making smart decisions with where he's throwing the football. He's accurate. Yes, he's accurate. I don't want to hear any more about 30 interceptions that one year. I bet they brought up a great stat on the Monday night game when they showed the last guy to have 30 picks in the season was Vinny Testaverde, and he came out the next year, and his team went to the conference championship. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Jameis Winston, but Jameis Winston's the only way that team makes the playoffs. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback of that team, the Saints have 0% chance of making the playoffs and a 100% chance of losing a really big fan because I will burn every New Orleans Saints piece of memorabilia and everything I own. I will sell it all, trade it all, throw it to trash if Taysom Hill is named the starting quarterback of the Saints. And then I'll go down there and I will punch Sean Payton in the face. I don't know how to follow that up. There is nothing you can do. It, It shouldn't even be a question at this point. Winston played so great Monday night. They should have announced at halftime that Jameis Winston was the starting quarterback. As well as he played. And Taysom Hill looked horrible. He looked horrible. Taysom Hill wouldn't be the starting quarterback in Kansas right now. So let me ask you this. And it may be too early to tell. You tell me this. With the way that where Jameis is at right now, does he appear to be a placeholder or is he a long-term solution? Or is it still too early? What say you? Yeah, I, I do. Great question. I still think that's too early. We're not going to know that till the season. 
But to give them the best chance they've got right now with the roster they have right now, it has to be Jameis. And, and, and he has a chance to play himself into being the permanent starter. If the Saints go out there and Jameis Winston throws for 30 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, and they win 12 games, Jameis Winston should be the starting quarterback full-time. He should go on the next season as the quarterback. But if he goes out there, doesn't have a great season, they finished eight and, you know, I guess it's nine and eight or 10 and seven, you know, 17 games now. They go out there and, you know, win 10 games or less. Well, now you know what you've got. But you know what you got. And I don't think, I don't think the New Orleans Saints know what they've got in, in some of these positions. And I think that that franchise, that head coach and that general manager have lived off of a Super Bowl championship longer than any GM and head coach combo in the history of the sport. It has been 11 years since they won that. Mm -hmm. There is no other coach and GM that would still be the coach and GM with the results they've had 10 years later. How about the uh, Chicago Bears? Let's uh, let's talk about them real real quick. Okay. Um, Andy Dalton is still going to be the starter week one, according to Matt Nagy. And then I see Mitch Trubisky just go balls to the walls with Buffalo. And it's like, where was this? I mean, is Matt Nagy – is he public enemy number one right now? Is he the source of the Bears' problems right now? I mean, because you look at what Mitch did there – you see him leaning towards Andy Dalton here, despite how good Fields has played and such. I, I liked Matt Nagy in Kansas City, but uh, I'm, I think I'm, I'm turning on Matt Nagy now. Both. Okay, so here's what I got to ask. And, I, and I'm not a Bears fan, so I got to ask the Bears fans this. Who do you think you are? Who do the front office think they are? Do they think they're a 10-win team who can get in the playoffs? Yes. If they think they are, then they've got to put the best quarterback out there to help them win. Week one. Week one, not week six, week one. Now, if you think this is where you're going to ask about Trevor Lawrence in a minute, this is where it's different. If you've got a rookie quarterback and you think, well, look, we're only going to win three, four, five games, we'll play the rookie, either get him experience. Or we'll let him mature. You, you can win that argument either way, but it's still based off of what do you think you are. It tells me if Andy Dalton's their quarterback, it tells me the Bears do not think they're a good team. Because they're thinking, let's save Justin Fields for a little bit. Let's give him some flavor. Because if they thought they were a good team, he's their best option. And Trubisky was, I mean, he's gone to Buffalo. He's going to back up Josh Allen. That's maybe one of those cases that we talked about earlier where it's just a different scenery gives you a little different feel. We're talking about Drew Luck earlier. You know, same thing. If, if Maybe just being somewhere different in a different mindset gets you something better results. I don't suspect that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be a starting quarterback again ever, but you never know. But, I mean, the Bears couldn't suspect that was going to happen. I would have kept Mitchell Trubisky over Andy Dalton. Yes, 100%. Because they could have got him cheap for one year. Matt Nagy is the only man on the planet that thinks Andy Dalton's better than Mitch Trubisky right now. Yeah, I just – I 
he and he might be the only one of the planet that thinks Mandy Dalton's better than Justin Fields. Yeah. Well, I, then here's an idea. Here's something I'll, I'll say this is there is a thought out there that the Bears are withholding fields from starting because of what they have in the first three weeks. Aaron Donald week one, Miles Garrett week three. Does that matter at all to you, Bo? That well, no, because they were needing week two and they were needing week two in a shootout with the Bengals. Because Burrow is going to be back. Yeah. So I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I, I think you got to play to win. I mean, sure, yes. Who do you think you are as a team? And if and if you're the Bears, the the only thing they can think of, and they're just not a very good team. They th- they think they don't really have a sufficient chance to go into the playoffs. So they're saying, okay, put put Andy Dalton out there and let's save the kid till week six or seven. Let him get used to the game a little bit. If you, if you're going to do that, say it. It sounds like Matt Nagy's not self-aware that he's also still coaching for his job, too. Yeah. Who knows? I, I, I can't explain what they're doing there. That one is beyond me. Matt Nagy can get the same rap with, with, with Sean Payton right now, as far as I'm concerned. They can paddle out to the deep water and hopefully the air doesn't come out of the, the boat. If Sean Payton doesn't go to the playoffs this year, I swear to God, I will, I will be angry. If we don't go to the playoffs, still mad about this. I'm mad, but I'm hot on this Jameis Winston thing. I'm telling you, Taysom Hill is the reason I'll quit being a Saints fan. We need to get Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill on a roster together. Taysom Hill's a fine tight end. <laughs> He's a good tight end. He's good. He can play. He can play old school H back, where you can play him in the backfield and do some things. But shouldn't be a quarterback. My favorite quote of this offseason, Bo, might be from Nagy saying that they need to see Andy Dalton. They need tape of him in the regular season. There's only 10 years of tape out there. Did he really say that? Yes. He should be fired immediately. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If he really if he really thinks that, he should be fired immediately. He should be fired and sent to go coach a team in 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 Eastern Europe. I, I don't even know what to do with someone that's that fucking stupid. What There's do you need to take to know who Andy Dalton is? <laughs> Tell me about all those great teams, those great offenses Andy Dalton led in Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. The Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow. <laughs> They went with Andy Dalton so long, and now they're going to mess up Joe Burrow. Oh, <laughs> hey, 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 Matt, uh, go, go, call, uh, go call Marvin Lewis if you want that Andy Dalton tape. He's got plenty of them. Yeah, yeah Marvin will tell you all you need to know about Andy Dalton. <laughs> it, it's one of those is the, the, owner, the, the owner of the Bears just walk into – somebody over to Matt Nagy's office and say, owner wants to see you. He gets to the door. Owners, come on in, Matt. You want to see me? Yeah, you're fired. <laughs> That's all I got to do. Yeah, you're fired. This is really your quote? Yeah, you're fired. <laughs> Get out of here. Or, uh, you call him in and you pull up a YouTube montage of all his like bad plays and interceptions. Says, you wanted your regular season tape of Andy Dalton? Here it is. Here you go. Here you go. You want, you want Andy Dalton tape? 
Yeah. I, <laughs> oh Lord. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was so bad the Bengals got Joe Burrow. Think of it that way. <laughs> right. There's your regular. Andy Dalton was game. so bad. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton was so bad that the Bears now have Justin Fields. <laughs> Andy Dalton so bad that the Cowboys overpaid Dak. Andy Dalton's so bad that their Cowboys backup quarterback is some Italian guy. I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> Throwing picks in the fourth quarter like crazy in the triple coverage. Speaking of the Cowboys, that's a great transition. Uh, Hard Knocks is boring. This oh. used to be the best show on television. Now it This is the works. worst season of Hard Knocks ever. I'm not one for, for, for like being judgmental this quickly, but goddamn, this is boring. We need we I need red ass Jerry. Where is red ass Jerry? Did someone bring red ass Jerry? The best they can do for us is these today? these drone shots. I didn't come here for drone shots. This team is boring. There is nothing about this team that's even likable. I mean, I if you're a Cowboys fan, I I and you watch Hard Knocks and you're still a Cowboys fan, why? Yeah. And I, and look, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I love me some Jerry Jones. I do. I love me some because he's a good quote. He, he gives you something. He ain't giving us nothing. All he gave us was too much salt on the McGrim. That's the only thing memorable about this season of hard knocks in three weeks is that Jerry puts salt on the McGrim. And Mike McCarthy has got some terrible Austin Powers references that he tries to use as motivation. It, Mike McCarthy, I, I'm glad you went there. Is there someone who does not have his locker room? Oh my God. He doesn't have a locker room at all. He goes in. I just watched the last step. I just watched. I'm just fresh. I just watched. They lose the game. He goes in there. Well, we didn't play as well as we should have. There's a lot of things we left on the field. It's this and that. All right. One, two, three, Cowboys. And everybody's like, right? Everybody else is going one, two, three, Cancun. They're ready to go on vacation already. They're bad. Hot take, the Washington football team's going to win the NFC East. They won it last year. They're going to do it again. I saw a thing where the, the odds were like, the Cowboys were like minus 110. Why? I'll, I'll take the 235 on the, on the Washington football team because that's the best team in that division. And they got the best coach in the division. Dak's back. Is he? He's thrown again in practice, apparently. Is he? So we're told. We're not going to know if Dak's really back to about week three, week four. That's the only chance they've got. That's the only chance they got is that Dak just carries. And he just puts the backpack of the entire 53-man roster on his team. I'll tell you what. I don't know how much Zeke even has left in the tank. Oh. They're trying to make them a buddy cop film in the first episode of the Hard Knocks this year. I, I, I don't know. I agree with you. I, I don't think he's got a whole lot left. I, he's a young man, too. But that's someone that the tires got. They lost a lot of tread in college. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and that's another argument we could have later about how long should a player have to stay in college because, boy, he would have benefited from leaving after his second year of college. Mm-hmm. I. And then he had that great offensive line the first year, but these last couple of years, he hasn't been that good. Last year he was horrible. 
And then and their offensive line's not good at all right now. I mean, Dak better have some life insurance. I mean, you need to call it AFLI, get some disability insurance. As a matter of fact, I can write him a policy if he wants. I'm licensed in Texas. We can, we can protect your money there, Dak. I hope he got – I didn't see the numbers. How much of his contract is guaranteed? Uh, I'm not exactly sure either. I hope he got a shitload of it guaranteed. He's going to get hurt again. And not because of the way he plays. It's because he's going to get beat to hell with that offensive line. Right. Yeah. And they're going to ask him to run the ball too much too. But they're not going to have any choice because he's the only offensive weapon they've got. Well, they've got a couple of good young wide receivers they can throw the ball to. Right. I, I like their... But if they're getting double teamed, there ain't a whole lot he can do. Well, I mean, I'll say this. We mentioned the receivers. I think Lamb is going to be all Lamb's pro. Great. Lamb's great. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper is going to be as good at number two as any number two in the league. And Gallup, that dude's a stud, too. I like all three of those guys, but that's about it. Yeah, I... I just think you're going to see so much double coverage and over-the-top coverage on Lamb. I mean, I think Lamb's talented. I think he's – I'm telling you, I think things are going to open up for Michael Gallup. I think Gallup's going to surprise some folks. I, 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 he's been there a couple of years now. He's not really shown us anything. That problem is – yeah, I disagree. Like, he's looked really good, I thought. His he, whole he's career. a good ball player. Yeah, he's a good ball player. He, he's not a change-your-offense your, change your offense kind of guy. They're going to have to move – you're going to – if – See, you can't trust Mike McCarthy to do this. Mike McCarthy's as uninventive an offensive coach as there's ever been. <laughs> but the smart thing that McCarthy could do is just move Lamb all over the field. Mm-hmm. So they can't press coverage. They can't put a second guy on top of him or anything else. I mean, you got to move him all around. He better be in the slot. He better be a slot over. I mean, put trips out there and, and bunch them up and get him loose. But you're not going to see Mike McCarthy with any of that. He's more boring than missionary sex. <laughs> he is. He's boring. It's well put. Out there looking like a walrus trying to coach. One more for you. The uh, Chiefs defense has looked really good in these first couple preseason games. They shut out the Cardinals offense in that first half. Yeah. And I know that the Chiefs have been so offensive heavy in this Mahomes era. Their defense Hasn't been that great. They've had a few moments here and there, but uh, nothing comparatively speaking to their offense. Now the way their defense is played, and you know, there's some talk. I think it's a little bit too much. Some Chiefs fans are asking, "Is this the best defense in the league?" I'm not. I'm not there by any means, but I, I'm okay with saying this is a legit defense. This is the best defense I think. Well, we've seen in Kansas City in quite some time. Well. I, I... It's a step, a bridge too far for me to see that's the best defense. Yes, that's that's not an area I'm even willing to. I will laugh at that every day of the week. Um, they're legit with Matthew. Mm-hmm. Tyron Matthew is a beast. He is to me. I'm biased. Tyron Matthew is the most underrated player in the NFL. I agree. I mean he he can literally he can play safety. He can rush the quarterback. He can play in coverage. He can play zone like crazy. He can catch up for people. He plays the ball well. He is incredible. He has been every bit the honey badger he was in college. He's been every bit that good in the NFL. And he does not get the run he deserves. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard the, the quote this week that the Chiefs are trying to find the money. They can't currently find the money to extend him. Find the money. 
he's your second best player. Mm-hmm. And the only team, there's very few teams where he wouldn't be the best player on their team. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best five defensive players in the league. Mm-hmm. And I think that that defense with that weapon, you can move around as long as everybody else is sure up on their tackling in the middle of the field. And you've got a good couple of good pass rushers. I, Cause you're going to be playing in shootouts. Mm-hmm. Teams are going to bet throwing the quarterback back there in seven step drop, five step drops, dropping it back out of the shot, not even further and having to, because Mahomes is offense. So if you've got that, you get able to rush the quarterback. And then having a guy like Matthew could come out from different angles, everything he does, that's invaluable. He is a team, the person that reminds me of, I think he's better than this player, is Bob Sanders back in the day. Which yeah. was, you know, he was the invaluable player on that defense that made the Colts so good when they got ahead in games. Matthew is that type of player, but he's even better. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think you find the money. As far as what the Chiefs' defense is, they're a solid defense. Look, that's the best team in the league. Yeah. If you're betting on a champ right now, you would bet your money. I would hope you'd bet your money on the Chiefs. I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I'm willing to admit that's the best team. They got the best quarterback. They got a coach who knows how to use him, a staff that knows how to use him, and they got a defensive player who can change games. Mm-hmm. You got some pretty good pass rushers. And they, you know, as long as they tackle on the backside, they don't give up big plays, they're fine. Well, a couple of things in the Chiefs defense, too. They released Taco Charlton. To me, that told me that they feel really good about their front seven because Taco Charlton should be a starter in this league um, for somebody. Um, And then Juan Thornhill had that interception. He played really well. I know that he was running with a third team or some, but – if he's healthy, there's no reason why he should be behind Dan Sorensen. He needs to be yeah. that starting uh, free safety. You and I are like the anti-Daniel Sorensen guys. We are an anti-Daniel Sorensen him more than you and I do. He, he, might, he must be just the greatest guy in the world because he's not a good football player. I hear from uh, some people that uh, he is the only player not vaccinated. Well, I have one thing to say about that. <laughs> Get all the way the fuck out of here with your bullshit. No, you know what? I'm telling you, it only takes one. And if you really want to win, you get vaccinated because now it's a deal. If you have a breakout and your team misses a game, you forfeit the game. One player can cost you a game. And these teams ain't going to mess around. The first time that happens, it doesn't matter who it is. They're getting cut. And if I'm already not on the Daniel Sorensen fan bus, but if he's also just not vaccinated and go out there, you know, Mr. I'm not going to get vaccinated. I want my own facts. You're gone. I, I can afford to lose you. And, and these teams are going to start doing it. These, these teams are going to start doing it. It's going to happen. And they don't need him. We've said that. No, no, they don't need him. No, there's 50 guys in the league that play free safety better than him. Oh man! Yeah, I, I, I'm still surprised that the Chiefs didn't get more. I, I guess they did on the offensive line, but I'm surprised they didn't get more veteran guys that want to come in on one-year deals this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you see that with the Chiefs here when cuts happen these next couple of weeks, 
if you see somebody who gets cut who's a veteran, especially on the defensive side, yeah, you might see someone be able to get in there. Maybe someone who's a third receiver. I mean, they've got Tyreek. Um, I like Nicole Hartman. You know, but after that, who do they really have at receiver? Byron Pringle, Chris Robinson. Yeah, I mean, Byron Pringle, yep. I mean, I mean, I you, you can see a, this would have been a, a good spot like uh, like Antonio Brown did last year with the Bucks. We're going to see people do that these next few years because they're going to low play up Mahomes. I tell you what, um, I, I said to Marcus Robinson earlier, uh, McCole Hardman. There's some clear communication issues there. He and Patrick don't are on the same page. Is that yeah, a lingering problem? I don't know. I don't think so. He's talented. They'll get that straightened out. He's a talent. He's he's a talent. He's he's he's, he's a good player, and that's something that gets worked out. Don't read too much to what you see at training camp. I mean, you'll know it's a problem, you know, six days before the first game if someone's cut, you know, when they get out of the final cut. When that final 53 comes out, we're going to know what was a problem and what was horseshit speculation. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see a lot of horseshit speculation because there's writers who need to write something. Well, before we came on, you and I were talking about Dak. And two days ago, or yesterday, I think it was, on Twitter, I see um, – who was it? Um, Schefter. What? Adam Schefter. Yeah, Schefter reports that Dak's hurt, and he may not be back until later in the season. And now he's in practice on the field. You know, again, it's – I don't – some guys are just writing just to make stories, and they're trying to get some kind of gossip. It's just gossip. Yeah. It's gossip for the sake of being able to fill some space on the website to get you to click over. Don't believe all of it. You can believe what you hear here, but nowhere else. Oh, oh if Coach Bo and Tyler say it, you know it's real. Um, speaking of Coach Bo and saying the truth, facts only, uh, we're excited to announce that your new podcast is debuting next week. And, next week, uh, next Monday. We're looking forward to it. What can people expect ahead on the, uh, the new Coach Bo show? Hey, so first off, Tyler, thank you so much for letting me come on. And, and first of all, I've had a blast doing this with you. And you're not um, going away. You're still with I'm us. I'm not going away. Still going to be doing this. We're going to do this every week and and doing our football fix. But uh, you let me spread my wings a little bit, do the Coach Bo pod. And um, what we're going to do on the Coach Bo Knows podcast is we're going to do it kind of twice a week. And in the first week, we're going to come out Mondays with the episode, be episode one, episode two, episode three so on and so forth each Monday, um, which are going to be an interview. I'm going to bring on someone that I know, like, respect, or, you know, someone that I've gotten to, someone that we've talked about and just kind of talk a little bit about coaching. We're going to talk about communication. Just, it's not what you talk about and what you hear in this segment. It's a little more serious. It's going to be fun, but it's going to be, we hope to be informative and have some fun with it. Um, I've got a couple of great guests for the first couple of weeks. I've got uh, one of my old friends, Raymond Brown, who, if you don't know, is a former Kansas football player, played in the CFL for years. He's now doing this motivational speaking deal to talk a little bit about, and he's fantastic. Um, he's going to have a couple of nuggets in there that are just tremendous. Um, and then uh, really blessed that week two, I've got Coach Carl Heinrich, who is the commissioner of the Jayhawk Conference, in with me for 45 minutes, and we talk about all things college sports, and we talk, we get in depth about some different things. Talk about how we inspire and influence 
in, in how really everyone's a coach in some way, shape or form. You know, I got to coach on the field for a few years, but what I do for a living is where I really coach. You know, what I do as a financial advisor and, and as a parent and as a someone who I work with other people and do out there and be a mentor to, because I had great mentors and coaches and those sort of things who influenced me. And that's what Monday is going to be about. Friday's going to be different. Friday's going to be a little more like what we just did today. Friday's going to be a little rotating cast of characters, some of my boys, some of my friends. And we're going to talk about sports and pop culture and wrestling and just anything and everything we talk, we feel like. And we're going to call that one the 1.5 or the 0.5 podcast. It'll come out on Fridays. Not safe for work Friday. Yeah, it's not safe for work. I have tried to work on not cussing when I'm on here. I've been bad today. Um, But on that one, we may let loose a little bit. So don't play it at work. But we're going to have some fun with it. Uh, we're going to have some segments where I'm going to bring some people on, talk about different subjects. Um, we're going to have a, a couple of different things. And we'll debut them as we go. We're not going to just let all the cats out of the bag here. But we're going to have a lot of fun. And again, kind of a rotating cast of characters. Um, it's going to be sort of me playing the role of Stugatz in many ways. Uh, you get to see a different side of my personality. You get to see... The Monday is a little more of, you know, Brian, Coach Bo, the, a little more buttoned up in, 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 in being inspirational. And Friday is Friday. It's the weekend. Let's have some fun. Yeah. And that's what that's going to be. It's going to be like your buddies playing golf. And here's the conversation we're going to have. And I got to tell you, folks, uh, I know Bo all sides uh, who you're referencing, you know, of the the business professional and then the, the cut loose guy. You're going to like it all, folks. I mean, it's uh, going to be entertaining either I'm, way. So I'm scared to death that the 0.5 pods are going to be better than the, the regular pods. Scared <laughs> to death because I don't want it to be that way. I want you. I want you to tune in Mondays, and I want feedback. You know, you can go. We've already got a couple of the Twitter handles set up and, and Facebook and everything else, and I'll, all that stuff's on the pod. It'll all be in the show notes. We'll get all that to you, but. Give us a chance, man. We have a lot of fun with it. and We want to be your partner. And and also, if you got questions or if you want me to talk about something, email us. Yeah. CoachBoKnowsShow at gmail.com. And we'll talk about it on my pod or I'll bring it up to Tyler and Tom on here. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, We'll uh, share it and post it. All that starts on Monday. Uh, right in time for the uh, first week of college football. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun, no doubt about it. I'm excited to yeah. play. And Ray and I had a great conversation. You guys are really, I guarantee if you listen to this one, you're really going to get something out of it. He's a super guy with a great story. And that's what I want to interesting people. And I think that we've scored a, I mean, we hit a home run on this first. Yeah. Um, we got to run. We went a little long today, but yep. that's okay. We had a lot yep. to talk about. Uh, he's Brian O'Connor. Check talk. him out online. OAGcast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com, also by phone, 785-856-0720, 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. But we'll talk to you next week. We'll have some football to recap and preview and also uh, after the first show. So best of luck. We'll be listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Tyler. Have a great week. A couple more things before we get out of here today. You heard us mention in the conversation with Bo at the end there about his new show, and it's actually part of – a. New initiative here 
uh, on the Jones Report as what you've known as Tyler Jones Media Group for about the last decade or so. We are now switching gears and becoming Studio Soapbox officially as of yesterday that we made this brand change. And this has been in the works for close to a year of us trying to pin this all together and make this happen. We wanted to really expand and start a podcast network of sorts. And, you know, that really got started in December when we brought in David, uh, David Starr to do Let's Go Racing, do the uh, NASCAR show that I'm on with him and Dominic Oregon each and every week. And that's been a major success. Whataburger has been a great partner for that show. And now Bo, who's been with us for a good year, doing a great job with the football fix and the pick segment, and all that. He's not going anywhere. He'll still be on this show each week. But we wanted to give him a bigger platform uh, to share his opinions and his stories and insights and such. So he's going to be launching his show come Monday, uh, the Coach Bo Knows Show. And he's going to be doing it two days a week, as you mentioned, as we mentioned there. And so uh, we're going to provide you programming four out of five days a week uh, at Studio Soapbox. You'll have Bo on Monday. You'll have Let's Go Racing uh, on, Tuesday, on, uh, on Wednesdays. And then uh, you'll have uh, this show on Thursdays and then Bo's show on Fridays. So we're going to be all over the place and we're not done yet. We're looking for new opportunities for some new shows, potentially, to really kind of try to grow this brand and try to find the right people to do it. And we're still looking for partners and such. Uh, certainly some advertising opportunities are available. And, and uh, this last year has been huge for us of what we've been able to do to really branch off, uh, you know, getting big into advertising and some of the other stuff we're doing behind the scenes. And we're really just getting started. So I know we're 10 years in, but we're just now starting to take the entrepreneurial side of things. And we're already seeing the fruits of our labor kind of pay off. So certainly some exciting stuff ahead, Tom. And uh, you're right here for it all. Uh, I, I can't wait. I'm happy for Bo. I'm happy for us of where we're going with all this. Uh, going to be some great stuff ahead over uh, these uh, next several months and got some other stuff we're working on too. There'll be some new shows down the line as well. Yeah, that is super dope. David seems super awesome. And, and you know, it's funny, uh, you know, obviously we could, I mean, I say obviously we, you know, anybody, it could have been any driver, uh, but David, you know, his just personality, listening to the show, he, he just, he kind of fits right in. It's, like a he's one of like us a, yeah that's what i'm saying he's like a meant to be type guy like he, he just it just works right and which is awesome you yeah. know it, he same just, with ball yeah but hell yeah that's what i'm saying like everybody who's been a part of the show or you know been on i mean 10 years running just it, they just kind of fit right, right. Right, and we haven't had a we haven't had somebody that's really come through that that hasn't fit, and I don't know if that's more on us or them, but it, it, it's awesome. Right. Well, and, and I'll say this too, you know, as we look for opportunities, I encourage people to reach out to us if you're interested in being a partner, whether it's on the advertising realm or whether you want to do a show or not for us, be part of this network. You know, we're not looking to add shows just to add shows. We're looking to find the right fits, people that gel, you know, that, that get our vibe and such. 
David is definitely that. Um, you know, he is one of us. You know, he's like an uncle to me. Um, Bo, you heard us talk about it before. I mean, Bo is pretty much family to me, too. I talk to him just as much as I do my own family. And, you know, he's entertaining as hell. And so that's what we're looking for is not only just good talent and, you know, people that will do a good job, but people that uh, get what we're striving for here and are on the same page as us. I mean, it's, it's really twofold here. And, and uh, that's what we're doing here. The studio soapbox thing. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're family, essentially. You know, I mean, we, we might be in different places, but uh, that's what it's all going to be about is it going forward is establishing a good uh, good vibe and good chemistry and, you know, really all just be on the same page promoting each other. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I'm excited and I don't, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, I guess, release it too soon, but, you know, coach Bo knows coming out that is going to be a, it might as well be a comedy show. I know it's going to be hilarious. Uh, you know, if, 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 you, if you listen to Coach Bo, you know, you know, whatever he is, is putting out is going to be not only quality, but straight comedy. Right. You know, we have a good time and we do tomfoolery. I, I feel like all of Coach's, Coach Bo's show is going to be somewhat tomfoolery. Right. It's, it's you know, like, I mean, you, you know, if you listen to the show, you, you've heard you've heard Bo. Uh, you've heard his, his Southern New Orleans accent, you know, his Louisiana accent. He, he gets when he when he starts getting into it, he, uh, you know, really shows which is. Which is the best. Yeah, yeah, he's he's something else. And and we're looking forward to uh, his show getting started on Monday and encourage you all to subscribe uh, on all your podcast platforms. It'll be available that first episode when it drops. Uh, coming up on Monday, certainly check that out there. And and our team here, we got a good team. I think that's what makes this, you know, you know, this is not my full time job. You guys know that. You know, I, I got a great job with great television, and and uh, that's where things are going. You know, this has always been a side project of sorts. But you know, the people that we work with between me and Tom, we've been at this, you know, a decade now. Um, you know, Bo, who's been great with us, David, Dominic. Um, TJ Reeves working kind of behind the scenes with us and such as well. We're all on the same page and uh, we're a good unit. I'm, I'm excited about what we have going forward and what, uh, what we, we, we have to come. It's all going to be good. And we're glad to have you, the listener apart, continue to support us throughout these years as well and, and uh, in the future going forward. With that being said, let's go ahead and move on. One NFL item that we have not touched on uh, throughout this uh, all season that we've actually avoided. We didn't talk about it even in the football fix just a few moments ago. And this might be our only chance to get to talk about it. It kind of just went, uh, kind of slipped by me, if I'll be honest here, is uh, is fantasy football. We've not gotten a chance to talk much fantasy football. And going into 2021, um, you know, first off, Tom, you have an expanded regular season going to 17 games. Um, fantasy owners out there, you got an extra week to play. I mean, that's a gift. Um, if you're going to play the extra week, I mean, you know, that, that's with only having one, two teams total in the entire playoffs to get first-round buys. You're going to go ahead and play 16 weeks of fantasy football, I would think. Right, Tom? No one's 
still playing 15, right? Right. You would think so. I mean, it'll be, you know, it'll, you know, if, if it usually it'll, you know, if, if you play 12 team league, you'll have eight teams in the playoff. The, you know, the, the last four will miss it obviously, but that gives you an extra week to sneak in, you know, and, and, you know, for anybody that's not like a top tier fantasy player or has been in that, you know, that's, that's the great thing about fantasy. You could be the eight seed playing the one seed. And, you know, if, uh, you know, if everyone's, you, know, you can beat anybody on any given Sunday. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. And uh, looking at just some of the top players out there, my beef with fantasy football, Tom, is how much there is on the uh, the emphasis on the running back. Um, this is what grinds my gears about fantasy football is that running back is one of the least valuable positions. That's what we have found out. Just look at the actual NFL draft. That's the case. But yet fantasy football, if you don't have good running backs, you don't have a chance. It's built entirely on the running backs. That's what frustrates me about fantasy. But nonetheless, when you look at these fantasy rankings, I mean, you know, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Kamara, Derrick Henry. If you can get any of those four, you're in great shape. Zeke at five, we talked about with Bo a second ago. I think Zeke's on the downward spiral. Um, I don't think Zeke is a great high pick. There's running backs I'd rather have than Zeke, if we're going to be honest here. Um, Austin Eckler is a good find. Aaron Jones is a good find. Nick Chubb is a good find. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley is listed as the ninth running back, according to ESPN. I think that'd be a steal. Saquon got hurt last year, but I think he's due for a big bounce back year. I would take him over several of these running backs, including Zeke. I'd take here. him over Zeke. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and you got to think, I mean, Dallas, you know, usually known for a pretty good line. Um, and, and give Zeke the room, but you know, he's do you remember? And this is my like highlight fantasy days when it was Adrian Peterson was the Mahomes of today, yes, right? And now, one of Mahomes my favorite the, fantasy moments ever was I had Adrian Peterson his rookie year, right? I mean, yeah, you couldn't beat it, <laughs> you know, and, and and so now I feel like Zeke is getting to that realm where it's like. You know, when Adrian Peterson, you know, got a little bit older, you know, he wasn't obviously the same player. He'd still put up points. He's not – you know, Zeke is not going to be a bad kid. You're not going to be mad having Zeke. But, you, you know, if you have the first five picks, you don't want to take him. I wouldn't say. I don't right. think he's the fifth best running back in the league anymore. No. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, Najee Harris – is going to get a ton of carries for the Steelers. And he's going to get the load. He's getting going to get the work. He was great at Alabama. We know the Steelers have struggled with their running backs ever since Le'Veon Bell left. Uh, that's a guy that Najee is the 10th-ranked running back. We might be talking about Najee being a top three running back by the end of the year. I don't think that's a stretch, Tom. No, I don't think it is either. And And, and – you know, for the Steelers, obviously, they're going to have – I don't think Big Ben is going to be healthy all year. You know, if he is – And if they you know, want him to be healthy, they're going to have to run the ball. 
That's exactly right. They're going to be a run-heavy team. I mean, the Steelers are, you know, I wouldn't say always have been run-heavy, but they remind me of the grit and grind Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Right? Kind of the whole personality of the whole team, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, they had the the killer bees and, and you know, they had all that. Um, and then, you know, it split off with Antonio Brown and his whole ordeal and Le'Veon Bell and his whole ordeal. And, you know, this may be Juju's last year in a, in a Steelers uniform, depending. But, you know, with that being said, you know, they're going to be they're going to have to run the ball. You know, the defense is going to be solid like it always is. And they're going to be – I think they're going to somewhat mimic – well, I think this. I think the Titans took a, a, a page out of the Steelers' playbook somewhat. But considering the rankings, I think the Steelers are going to be more mimicking the Titans this year than anything. And I think Najee mm-hmm. – I think that's why they drafted Najee Harris. I mean, that's that's – you know, I mean, I mean, Alabama does it well, right? You know, I think Najee Harris is. I wouldn't. I would. I'm not going to call him the second coming of Derrick Henry, but damn, they're pretty similar. Yeah, two uh, two guys I'll sell as far as the running back position goes, besides Zeke, um, Clyde edwards Lair of the Chiefs. I like Clyde. I think he's a good back, but Andy Reid doesn't like to run the football. I mean, Clyde's no, not going to have huge numbers. If you're in a PPR league, though, yeah, if you're in a PPR league, might not be a bad get. But Clyde disappointed a lot of fantasy owners last year. There was some high expectations, and just wasn't there. You know, as a rookie, too. Well, and then there's so many options for the Chiefs. You know, he's not your main guy. Not even where anywhere near. You, you know, obviously Travis Kelsey is your, you know, reception leader. Your yards per reception later, just overall reception yardage last year as a tight end, which is incredible. Yeah. Really. I, I don't think we give that much attention. You know, I, I, it'll be interesting. I mentioned this a little side, little tangent. I think Travis Kelsey's worth the first or second round get. I really do. Yeah. I think any of the chiefs, big three Mahomes, Tyreek or Kelsey are worth the first round. Right. Oh, and especially if you're in a PPR league, that's that's should be, I think I've seen I've watched PPR drafts and I've seen Tyreek go eight or nine in a twelve team league. Um, you know, ESPN has Mahomes rated as the 39th player. There's not going to be a league in America where Patrick Mahomes doesn't get drafted in the first round. You know, I have a I have a I have a, a draft tomorrow, a work league that I got roped the f- into literally today and we're taping this on a thursday they literally said hey a player dropped out uh we need you to play like they know that i we do the podcast every week and and you know they already had their 12 though but someone dropped off um and they said listen just join like we know you do this every week you know like we know you're a big sports guy like Come on, join. And I was like, no, 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 no. At first, I was like, no, because I'm, I'm. This is the first time I'm doing fantasy in about eight years. Like, you know, we haven't. Even, we talk about fantasy. We haven't even mentioned the classic pick'em league that we do, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That's that's literally some of my favorite times of year because one, 
because it's super competitive for the most part. And then two, just the trash talk is great. Um, and so I said, no, no, I'm already in a fantasy league. I got roped into my, to my friend's fantasy league. It's a hundred dollar buy-in. Um, I said, no. And they were like, no, listen, well, I'll pay. The one guy was like, I'll pay half your buy-in fee for the work league. And I'm like, all right, fine, fine. And I was like, when's the draft? This is today, about uh, five and a half hours ago. I said, when's the draft? And they said, tomorrow at seven. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, so that'll be very interesting. Um, Najee Harris is definitely going to be on my draft board. But, Jones, you know, we, we, you want to talk about fantasy and the drafts. What? I want to know your struggle. And I don't know. I don't think you played fantasy last year, maybe for a couple of years. I don't know, though. I haven't I'm, played fantasy for a while. I've been playing fantasy uh, for several years. And, uh, you know, it's always running back heavy for me. Um, but, you know, if there's a quarterback, if, if I'm picking, you know, middle or late draft and there's a quarterback available I can't pass on, like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, I might go ahead and reach for a quarterback right. of some sorts but, there. You know, um, if, you're, if you're 12-team league, and let's say you get 11 or 12, at, at that point, let's say you get 12th out of 12 for whatever reason. If you're picking names out of hat, yeah. if I'm 12th and it's a snake, it most obviously are snake drafts where if you're 12th, you get two picks in a row. You know, you get your 12th pick right. and then the first pick of the second round. I'm taking the, the top running back available, and then I'm taking the top quarterback available. Right. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm taking a, you know, I'm taking a, let's say, you know, I, it, it really, you know, it's really funny too. You have to read people. It really depends on who you play with and how serious they're about it. Oh yeah. Uh, well, the, I mean, the leagues I play in Kansas, the chiefs players always go way higher than they should. Right. It's, uh, it's, like, you know, if you have a, if you have a hardcore fan of some team, like, Okay, if me, you, and and Jose were in a league, he's gonna draft like a Jared Judy, right? And, you know, he's gonna draft Jared Judy in like the third round type, right? And yeah. I, you know, and and for whatever it's worth, I might draft the Rams. De- I might be the first one to take a Rams defense. Yeah, uh, you know, in in the eighth, ninth round. Bo mentioned something. Uh, we, we talked about the Sony Michelle trade. We mentioned with the Chiefs, I would stay away from Clyde edwards Lair. Um, I wouldn't touch any of the Rams running backs. It's too no, much by committee. By, it's all by committee. It's yeah. it's all by committee. And right. it was that way. It was that way last year. Even with Cam Akers, obviously he tore his Achilles. Um, I've been following him. He's he's getting it together. He's not going to be back this season. I don't think. Hey, it would be a miracle. Maybe maybe by the playoffs. Two more points I'll make. Um, a guy that's going to be a drafted that's going to make the biggest jump. I think on boards from last year to this year is Darren Waller of the Raiders. He had such a 100%. breakout year, um, was just unstoppable. Looked like one of the best tight ends in football. He's and the third best tight end in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not I would, even, I would say Kelsey, yet. I would say Kelsey or Kittle and then Waller. And then I don't know how Gronk's going to do this year, but I, yeah. I'm not, I'm, that's another thing. I'm not taking a page on Gronk. I'm not, not this year. no, I think Waller is going to have some a big jump in boards, and he's going to be a first rounder in a lot of people's drafts or an early second round pick. The other point I'll make too is if you're still trying to figure out how to assemble your league, if you're a commissioner or whatever, uh, here's a little word to the wise. 
Okay. Uh, ben Heisler uh, recommended this to us last year, Sports, uh, Sports Illustrated fantasy guru and such. He said, and I, th- I think this is a great idea, don't play with a kicker, play with two quarterbacks. How do we feel about that idea, Tom? Play with two quarterbacks, what do you mean? Play a le- Set up your league to be two quarterbacks instead of a, instead of a kicker. Well, that would be very interesting. You know, I'm, I'm not a commissioner of my league, but and I, I, that would be very interesting. And, and it would change the whole dynamic, really. Oh, yeah. Um, you'd prioritize the quarterbacks that you'd pick. I mean, yeah, especially if you're in a 12-team league, you're going to take – at that point, you're really taking instead of two QBs because you get your main QB, and then you get an all-right QB for that QB's bye week. Right. Like, so if I, if I somehow get a chance to draft Patrick Mahomes, by the time I draft another QB, I'm going to have a QB maybe like, you know, a, a, a mid tier. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I would take like Tua. Yeah. I mean, like a Tua, or, you know, I might even, you know, reach out. I mean, I think the first, obviously, the first QB off the board is going to be um, Mahomes, and then it's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers, and then, Lamar, you know, probably a Dak Prescott or, uh, you know, you could even someone's going to reach and go Tom Brady. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, and but really, you know, who I think is going to be and this is a very biased, but I think it's very real. Um, if you were going to play two QB league, I'll tell you, if, if you go in your does the word of the wise from Tom and, you, you know, I already mentioned that I haven't played fantasy in a little bit, but. If you really wanted a strong setup in terms of a bye week or a switchable QB, if you have a, you know, if you have the, the chance to draft a, a top four QB, and that being like a Mahomes or a Rodgers or, you know, Russell Wilson or, right, you right. know, you can do one of those. But if for whatever reason, you know, like round six, round seven, you wanted to get another QB for your bye week. Like I said, biased here, but I'm taking Matthew Stafford. I think Stafford's going to be QB one for a lot of folks, though. I, I don't know if he slips to be your QB two, um, but we'll I see. I mean, I think he's going to have a hell of a year. I do too. What I think the difference that Rams fans and fantasy owners are going to see from Stafford to Goff. Goff put up a lot of yards, but he didn't get a lot of touchdowns. They ran yeah, the ball. He turned, he turned it over a lot. Right. I think Stafford turns a lot of those field goals into touchdown passes or touchdown runs turn into touchdown passes and such. I think you're going to see significant jump in passing and, touchdowns for the Rams going to Stafford. And, and That's going to be the difference in their You offense. mentioned it earlier on Rams running backs taking, you know, we I mentioned committee and you said, you know, you're not taking a page on the Rams running backs. I, and I think McVeigh is going to be very – I think the Rams are going to be very Big 12, very pass-heavy air raid offense. Yes, I do too. Oh, you're right about that. So, there you have it. A little uh, fantasy advice out there. Good luck. That's, that's the you. first time we've done fantasy, I think, ever. Uh, we did a, a bit of fantasy Man, stuff. We've talked about it. This, this is the first time we've done fantasy in a while. It's been a minute since we talked fantasy, but I'm glad we did. That was good discussion. So I like it. Yeah. 
Uh, best of luck to all the fantasy owners out there, and hopefully you can play in the league with uh, two quarterbacks and no kicker. Kicker just kills the vibe of the league. Um, <laughs> I hate it that there's that these leagues are set up where the kicker if, if you're taking, and the quarterback have the kicker, same number. If you're position. taking a kicker, who are you taking? Um, if I'm taking – Besides Justin Tucker. <laughs> besides the obvious of Justin Tucker, gosh, um, man, that's uh, – I don't know who I would take. Maybe Mason Crosby. Who's who's the Chiefs kicker? Harrison Butker, but he misses too many extra points. Pisses me. I mean, off. that's true. I mean, that's like the kicker strategy is like who scores the most points because besides field goals, you know, if you get a point for every, I don't know how, and maybe it's two points for every extra point. Maybe it's just one. But if I mean, you got to pick a kicker with a good offense, right? I'd yeah. say that's the strategy there. Um, you know, there, there maybe uh, you go with uh, Gatowski with Tennessee or something like that, you know. Right. I mean, so, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can go. Um, but there you have it. That's our uh, discussion there on these uh, on the fantasy front. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. After a week off, we come back bigger than ever with another award-winning story. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? You know, Jones, it was it was a couple of weeks ago. Well, maybe even two months ago that we did. And that we did, you know, Nashville and the guys slinging poop at the cops at the Kid Rock Bar and Grill. Oh, yeah. That new definition to Nashville hot chicken. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. So, you know, Nashville in terms of redneck is getting on the level of East Coast, Florida, man. Right. Especially with this article, Jones, when we're going to outkick.com, a little pop culture segment. This article is by Joe Kinsey and it reads naked Tennessee man arrested for floating down a river while singing God Bless America and running from Bell Bondsman. Now, let me correct you for a second, Tom. The way you describe that, that guy, he's not naked. He's naked. That's a naked man. Yeah, he's, a, yeah, he's very naked. And the difference for, for the folks at home, I explained this actually on TV a while back. There's a difference between naked and naked. Naked is when you're just casually without clothes on, like, you know, the shower shower. or sleeping commando or something like that. Naked is when you're doing something ridiculous, something absurd. This guy would be naked. He'd be very naked. And and Jones, I don't even know the rivers, but I'm going to read you the river here. Uh, Article reads, like I said, from Outkick, so it's, it's creatively written here. This one will sound, this is this how the article reads, this one will sound like, I, I didn't even, you know, you sent this to me a, a couple of days ago, and I just read the headline, I think I was doing a gig, and I read the headline, and I just, and you said Tom Fuller, and I said, absolutely, I just read the headline, that was it, I didn't even get the chance to read the article, but, um, and I'm reading it for the first time right now, um, so I said, you know, Tennessee's getting on the Florida man, well, here's the first sentence, this will sound like it's straight out of Florida, Ah. Right, right. They they they're on the same vibe, but it actually went down on the Nola. This is what a river, Nola Chucky, Nola Chucky River, near Greenville, Tennessee. That's where it says naked. Really should be naked. 
That's where naked Tennessee man Troy Hunt was arrested after leading authorities on a wild chase down the river while he sang God Bless America and floated on debris looking like Tom Hanks and Castaway. Holy oh, shit. It's unclear why Hunt... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's a visual. Well said. All right, that is well said. It's unclear why Hunt jumped in the river, but he eventually ended up naked. He thinks the current ripped. This is such bullshit. This is this is such Florida man. Shit. He thinks the current ripped off his shorts. <laughs> no, that I guarantee it didn't. I've 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 been in some pretty strong currents, but not strong enough to rip off my pants. Um. He thinks the current ripped off his shorts and refused to be rescued by emergency personnel who threw life vests to the 52-year-old who told authorities he didn't like the tone of voice the rescuers were using. Oh, wow. According to a report obtained by the Greenville Sun, Hunt told police rescuers had yelled at him, which hurt his feelings. Hurt his feelings. We truly are in the snowflake era. Um, so he had refused the ropes and flotation devices. You ever heard that story about God rescuing people and, you know, the man, he's in a flood on the roof and he ends up dying in the flood. He gets to heaven and he asks God, like, well, you know, I thought I was praying to you. Why didn't you save me? And he's like, I sent you a boat. I sent you a couple people. I sent you a helicopter and you refused all of them. This is this guy right here. And, and I wish, I wish. You know, we're a podcast, so I can't show you the guy. But all you just need to do is type in Outkick Nashville Naked naked Man. You might even type in Naked. N-E-K-I-D. And you're going to you're gonna find this guy. He, he's He's got some... He's I don't know. He's got some, like, 80s hair band hair. Police noted in the, rev- in the report that Hunt showed signs of being intoxicated. Bell Bondsman... Carrie Emer, Emer, who was <laughs> this is a, this is an article here, who was hunting for his client, wrote on Facebook that Hunt had been facing a third DUI. End quotes. We need to get him help. <laughs> Emmett said, according to WGRB, Hunt covered about 15 miles in two and a half hours. You know what? Maybe that river current was going pretty quick. Because a 10-mile float uh, takes all day, usually. At least on the Illinois here in Tulsa slash Tahlequah. Now, Hunt's on the hook for indecent exposure, disorderly conduct, and public intox charges to go along with his troubles with the Bell Bondsman and the local courts. Jones, if you're on the run for the cops, are you jumping in the river? <laughs> I would like to think in theory I would, but I'll be honest, no. I mean, that would be the least likely getaway situation. Right? Because you know where the river's floating. You know where the get-off points are. Right. You know, this man just decided to jump in the river and refuse a flotation device. He can't stay in the river forever. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's got to end somewhere. It's not like it. Yeah, it's not like it feeds out to the ocean from Tennessee unless it leaks into the Mississippi. And if it does, 
then you have a real reason to be drowned. It's one of those things that you wish works, but you know it doesn't. Right. I don't know. I'd like to know what he was drinking. Because if he was intoxicated, you know, sure, whatever. You know, I've had some really good ideas being intoxicated that I thought were good ideas until I woke up the next day and was sober and thought, ah, probably was, not the best idea. He was right? in Tennessee. It had to be some Jack Daniels involved. Yeah, it should be. That You would think so. I would hope so. This is a, you know, to jump in the river, that's an Everclear decision. Or, or, you know, maybe, maybe got hold my dad and got some of that quality moonshine. <laughs> maybe we need to get him out there noodling with your dad. I'd, yeah, my ass. You know, you know, my dad hurt his neck a couple of years ago, so he hasn't been noodling for a while. But uh, if my dad read that story, I, I, I think he couldn't pass up a, a, a solid noodle with, with, with this guy. And then he's got. He's got hair that'll rival Troy Polamalu, honestly. Um, you know, head and shoulders. Maybe they need to reach out and, and get a hold of him. But um, yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the most tomfoolery to me is not, you know, resisting the flotation devices or, you know, being, you know, publicly intoxicated. I, I think my Tom Flory portion of this is like literally jumping in a river and thinking you're just going to get away. Right. Like you're in the river. They know exactly where you're at. <laughs> it's not like you can cut, a, you know, it's not like you turn left, right, left, right, left, 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 right, 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 and disappear into the night or even pull into a garage. Like you either staying in the river and floating down the same way the river is made. Or you can either get out and be, I don't know, I'm assuming in in the forest. Like, you're going to get caught. <laughs> like, that's the worst. It's not even a high chase at the point. Like, he was naked. Naked. Uh, because, he said that, you know, he said he, he, the current ripped off his shorts. So, if that's the case, the river had to be moving pretty quickly. Um, but at the same time, it's like, hey. Do you really think this is going to pan out? This guy has to be a Dale Earnhardt fan, right? Oh, 100%. Praise Dale, praise Dale. <laughs> he's got to he be. He did it for Dale. Yeah, he's, yeah, he had to be. I, I don't know what. Is there, is there a racetrack in Nashville? There's the Nashville Fairgrounds. And there you go. Then you're not too far from Bristol, too. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he's yeah, he's definitely got to be a NASCAR fan. He he, hopped in the water and you know, what's I mean that's an interesting take too. What is a you know if you only make left turns in NASCAR, what's a left turn in swimming? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Is it still left turn? Is there a different name for turns in a pool? I don't know actually. We I mean we don't cover swimming enough. Wait, well. To be fair, we've never covered swimming, and the day we do cover swimming, we're going to be in a deep, dark place. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end on today's show. Raise hell, praise Dale. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when are we getting that tattooed? Oh, man. Hopefully never. Next NASCAR race we go to, we might have to do that, you know? 
you know, you're right. Let's go to Texas in October, and we need to get that big number three on our on our chest. Right, left turn, so we get on the left ass cheek. <laughs> Red and black, baby. Oh, good, uh, good wrench. Good wrench. Good wrench number <laughs> three, baby. <laughs> That's what the ladies call me, the intimidator. A good, yeah, good wrench. Jesus. Good. <laughs> and I don't even think good wrench is still anything. <laughs> On that note, we will run. Big thanks <laughs> to Tim Brando for stopping by, Brian O'Connor for joining us as well. Please check out Bo's new show Monday. Coach Bo Knows Show. It's guaranteed to be a good time. Leave it five stars. You don't leave one at all. Leave five stars on that show. Leave five stars on the racing show with David. By the way, David's racing in Daytona Saturday night in the cup race. Um, we'll be rooting him on. Uh, We're going to be raising hell and praising David Starr. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get that trending, right? Right. <laughs> we got we got we got to find a saying for David. You know what I call him? I don't know what rhymes with star. I can't call him this to his face publicly, so I'll do it on this show instead. I've said it to him, but he would not like me saying this to him on the other show. Uh, I call him Starry Eyes. Oh my gosh! There you go. <laughs> so uh, hopefully the. Uh, the eyes are, are bright, the starry eyes on a Saturday night uh, <laughs> deep in the heart of Texas. Not quite. Um, not like the state of Florida. But nonetheless, best of luck, David. Follow us uh, on social media, studio underscore soapbox on Twitter, studio of soapbox on Facebook, Jones underscore report on Instagram, uh, Tyler Jones Live on Facebook, Tyler Jones Live, Twitter, Insta Thomas on Instagram, Thomas underscore Bridges on uh, Twitter. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We certainly would appreciate that. Got to run. We'll see you next week. College football is back completely next week. We got week one to talk about. We'll bring it to you. Looking forward to it. Thomas Bridges and our entire crew. I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. This has been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.